We are live. Welcome to another episode of Break the Rules, the Break the Rules live stream with your host, your humble host, Love Poliakov, Love Po on Twitter, joined by the great Giovanni Panacciati. Bella. And we have Tom Sauer joining us back. And we have returned with us here the wonderful, the beautiful, the extravagant Pardesele. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Pardes, you are one of a kind. You've rescue yourself out of the swamp of Washington, D.C., and you are selling real estate now. Why did you... Well, first tell us a little bit about your origin story, then why you did that. For those who don't know, you worked... You were, appeared on Fox News, you worked for Ben Shapiro, you did all kinds of very interesting things in uh -oh. your life. oh Little Ben. Oh, <laughs> that's a No, that's a good uh oh Anyway, Pardes, tell us a little bit about yourself for the people who don't know, and let's uh, go from there. Yeah, um, thank you so much for that introduction, by the way. I'm, like, impressed by myself hearing you. Uh, that's cool. Thanks. And uh, so, yeah, I started off working for Ben. Uh, I worked at various media companies in D.C., and uh, Fox News is one of them, um, you know, IJR, Washington Examiner, and uh, a few more. And then um, I moved over to the PR side of things a little bit. Uh, the last two years that I was in DC and then finally decided to this uh, past year decided to during COVID move to Texas and um, not work in politics and just you know work in real estate uh, my goal is to make a lot of money I don't I, I don't want to be uh, yeah I, I like that's basically what, that's what I'm going for next, but I still want to, you know, I still want to kind of like be in the media space, but very independently, meaning, uh, you know, I don't care about who I associate with. I love all my friends and I would never put politics over friendship and being a real genuine person. I'm never going to be like, oh, like I'm not associating with these people or those people. But um, at the same time, like, I don't want to get paid for politics because I feel like that's what ruins people's lives. <laughs> my life <laughs> it definitely so. did this year i mean uh tom i'm sure you also had uh, various acquaintances come out of the woodwork uh during this past uh election cycle and just go mad at either yourself or friends of yours and you saw relationships deteriorate oh tom oh, oh, uh, oh, oh. say that again okay now i hear you okay now all right are we okay let's try this audio out sorry yeah fancy 400 headphones that don't work apparently um <laughs> so um, yeah, I, obviously I had a lot of friends, uh, most of my friends who were in the military just generally kind of default lean conservative, uh, some may or may not like Trump. They might not like, you know, it's mostly, I think the biggest, um, thing they had against Trump was really just the, his aesthetics, his style, his delivery, right. Which, Hey, look, there's a valid criticism there. But I think at the end of the day, when he came down to like, what do you want to do? They kind of liked it. Um, however, I got a lot of friends as well who, um just couldn't stand him i got a plenty of friends here in the military who are very liberal i mean or at least in, at least in some ways that are, that are and so obviously we go back and forth you know i've got a i've got a ton of you know i'm sure we all have you know uh whatsapp and signal and text threads of various groups of friends and whatnot and like that there's one we have where it's you know myself and two other good friends of mine i've known for 20 years that are still active duty they're one's a lieutenant colonel in the marines the other's a commander in the navy and, you know, we just go out and just, rah, 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 rah. and like, they also know that I just happen to make acquaintances with folks in DC, such as a lovely Pardes. Uh, and so, you know, and through all that. Sometimes. 
what fun times yeah and then and then obviously then a lot of people like oh my god you're friends with so and so and this and this and this and it's just like yeah they're great people they're really nice and by the way By the way, the microphone is a little bit, a little bit a too bit. quiet. Yes, something's All wrong right. with the mic. I'll figure it's this not, out. it's not the yeah, end of the world kind of scenario, but something's okay. a little bit wrong with it. No, but uh, for, f- no problem at all. But for now, uh, when it comes to yourself, Pardes, and the relationships that you've had, uh, I don't know how many would you say you've had destroyed over this past oh, uh, election? What cycle? a question, Lev. What a question. I want, <laughs> I want to go right in for the curveballs. No real relationships have been destroyed. Thank um, God. You know, like maybe a few people on Facebook unfriended me, but I would have no idea because I wouldn't have even noticed them because they weren't real friends in the first place. So, haha. There we go. So, no, that's a very good quality that you keep around you. Uh, How's the microphone now, if you don't mind me asking? Whoa. Better? Okay. Now it is incredibly loud, but the quality, I think, is much better. Okay. So- I'll calm down. Is this okay? Uh, it's Beautiful. a little bit, it's okay. Okay, fine. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit on the loud side. It's fine. Maybe lower down a little bit, but it's perfect. All right. I'll play with it. Yeah. So it is important to keep uh, loyal uh, people around you, but as I far as say, I've but met it, like the coolest people ever. And like, you're obviously one of them, like, you know, Tom's on that. I still haven't met, uh, uh, Gio and I'm excited to, and, um, well, I don't know like, about that, <laughs> yes, Gio is the med bull. Sorry, my mind is reeling. I was going after a YouTuber uh, last week. I dubs. Yeah, I kind of uh, had a viral tweet. No, but uh, how did you start off in journalism? You started off with uh, little Ben Shapiro. Um, Yeah, I started started off working for Ben, um, like my first ever introduction to politics. And I was a pre-med student in college Mm. at the time. I was like 20 when I met him. Uh, And so, you know, at 21, I started working for him. And I did that for a few years and realized, like, I don't want to go to med school. It's so boring and <laughs> not get, ever get paid for the next 10 years or 12 years or whatever. So, like, just so then of... you started journalism where nobody gets paid. So then exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what what is the behind the scenes? Uh, how is the kosher sausage made when it comes to uh, working for Ben Shapiro? Uh, by the way. I will say he really tried to convince me to not do it. Like he really tried to convince me to stay on the med school track mm. and go to med school. So what was he right now that you have chance to uh, look through well, the entire thing? I heard he's married he to a doctor. Right. Huh? Oh yeah. His wife is a doctor. He's married to a doctor. Yeah, he likes he's, he's from firsthand experience. Well, I, he's right that he's right that being a writer or journalist or anything in politics is not like it's not sustainable as a career. But um I think there's other ways to make money that don't involve going to med school. There's a lot of ways that I could think of and every year I keep learning about new ways to make money and that's, you know, I care so much about money. So that's uh <laughs> So no. I'm always looking at I'm always looking for that. Now, when you were uh, in the studio, was there a, a certain tone that you had to nail down a certain way that people thought? And look, I know Gio may hate this, but I actually do agree with Benji on a lot of different things. But uh, was there, you'd say, a certain, let's say, line that uh, cannot be crossed? Or did it not really work like that as far as like how free were you versus, let's say, because you were talking about Fox News uh, in the recent video of yours, working for Ben, how different was it from working from uh, for Fox News or any other outlet when it came to that kind of like freedom of expression or whatever you want to call it? 
I think it was very different because when I was working for Ben, uh, Daily Wire had, we were all of three writers that were working under Ben. So that was like the entire company when I started. And uh, it, it was, it was like a bunch of friends and we hung out and um, like, it wasn't like Fox news is just a very corporate kind of place. And so if Ben found out that I uh, said something or did something silly, he wouldn't have just like fired me or, you know, someone else, maybe it, maybe now, I don't know how daily wire is now because they're a lot bigger. I know. And they're probably a lot more corporate. And I think a lot of these companies, when they become, when they go corporate, like big, they, they change, they become more like that Fox news video I was talking about where yeah. everyone gets fired for every little thing. Well, it happens at Vice as well. Vice used to be, I mean, Gio, you know, being Canadian and all, Vice used to be this edgy Canadian product that did a lot of things that now, you know, people would be calling for people's heads if they were to be doing the same thing. They used to have articles about, uh, literally one article was how to bang muslim women that was one from like 2004 oh like stuff like what that it was say? yeah it was some like weird like uh <laughs> pretend to convert and things like that it was just, it was just like, <laughs> that's edgy. dangerous the, the father's gonna chop your head yeah, off if, uh... it was well it was because it was an edgy like you know gen x um hip like proto hipster magazine like i mean it's really funny how much they like hate him and think he's like a uh you know what supremacist, but like not to defend Gavin McGinnis, I have my reservations, but he really did start like the hipster aesthetic with Vice Magazine. He did that one column. Um, what was it called? Like the fashion and column. Yeah, yeah, do's and don'ts. Yeah, that that created like the mm -hmm. aura of the hipster. Uh, but now, of course, he's uh, the most, well, one of the most canceled man in the world. I mean, he hasn't taken the title yet from uh, Molyneux. So he's a fucking riot though. Like, I mean, he's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. First of all, can you guys hear me now? Did I fix my stuff? Am I okay? Yeah, now? Good. Yes. Good. Sounds all beautiful. Good? All right. Go on. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. Is, um, I, I think part of this probably ran into him a few times and met him, hung out with him yeah. like, once or twice. And, and so have I. And I'll tell you what though, like he is one of the like most, and this is one thing that, you know, I, part of this can definitely attest to it. Cause she's a blue check. She's a big deal. She's one of the, you know, she's a big deal. <laughs> And the thing is, though, is that is with so many of these folks, like I'd be friends with a lot of these folks, even if these they weren't who they were. Right. Like I if, even if they sold shoes for a living, I'd hang out with them, be friends with them. But like Gavin is absolutely hilarious, is wild, does kind of crazy stuff. Everyone like in person, just just kind of his what he does. And actually, you know, I, I had a story about him. I was like, yeah, he yeah, he, he whipped it out one time, just like in front of a bunch of people, like a party, like as a joke. And it was absolutely hilarious. I dared him to. He's like, what? Okay. And, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just like constant comedy, but he's also like very generous, very friendly. Um, and, and like so many of these other folks I know, they see it's like, you know, what what is portrayed online, especially by their critics and detractors. But even what you see, it's like, that's not necessarily who they really are in person. You know, so I, and I, I think that, you know, and part of us can say, you know, probably test a lot of that, too. It's like, you know, it's like we have, you know, you've got a very much a real life with all your other you know issues and great things and problems and struggles that like isn't necessarily blasted on Twitter, you know, and it's just I, don't know, I, I get kind of frustrated because I see people ask about people that we know. It's like, oh, they're an asshole. This, this, and it's like, 
you don't fucking know these people. Yeah, how do you know yeah, they're yeah. an asshole? Because they yelled a little bit on YouTube or yeah. Twitter or whatever. I mean, I did. I yeah, did I have a there. There was a friend of mine who that fair, I have several ideological disagreements with a lot of them. Yeah. but that's sure. neither here nor there. Well, sure. I, I I do have a friend hey. of mine who met Gavin at an event where Milo did that art piece where he was uh, laying naked in a pool full of blood. I don't remember what exact the theme was, but it was some art event in uh, New York City in Brooklyn. And Gavin, you know, he was uh, kind of drunk there. And I think that's probably why he may give off bad vibes to some people because he likes to drink and likes to get drunk. And when people get drunk, things can go a little bit crazy. But that's, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it is what it yeah. is. But uh, what, but when it comes to the image of somebody like Gavin being associated with people who, let's say, back in the 20s and 30s, would have been the forerunners to the SA and then the SS, you know, people who were World War I veterans who lived through absolute hell, and then they were the ones engaging in street fights with the uh, uh, communists. To compare the people who lived through that kind of life to what's going on now to a guy who on the show puts something up his butt, you know, it's just, uh, it's a very strange comparison. And I wonder what this even says about, uh, you know, as Moldbug calls it, the brown scare. The idea yeah. that there are these Nazis that are hidden deep. And look, I'm sure that there are a lot of groups out there. They've probably been inf infiltrated, all of them, by uh, three-letter agencies already. Yeah, glow in the darks. Yeah, exactly. But still, as far as just, like, the actual threat that's going on right now in the country... I mean, I do see there being a possibility for anything. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that if things keep going more into the realms of clown world, then the fantasies that a lot of uh, these people have about these uh, fascists rising up from the ashes may actually, uh, uh, scarily enough, may actually occur. It's pretty much based on the amount of clown world that's going to be inflicted upon society. I really think that that's kind of the uh, the basis of it. The more clown world increases, the more there is a chance that there's going to be some fascist regime that's going to come in place of that when people just get up to here. And I am not saying that is a good thing. I think that's going to be a horrible thing if that happens. But I don't know. That's just my very doom and gloom prediction of what may happen. But I'm curious, Pardes, uh, do you agree? Do you disagree? And same thing with Tom. Angio. I think that people have to stop being so afraid because when you, first of all, sharks smell fear and they get attracted to people who are afraid because they think you have something to hide. Do you think you have something to hide or be ashamed of? No. Well, I don't think so either. I don't think I have anything to hide or be ashamed of. And I feel like the times when I acted the most guilty for no reason, I mean, you know, I got somehow convinced that I'm like a bad person because I, I'm friends with this person or that person, or I said a dumb joke or whatever. And so like the times when I somehow convinced myself that I'm a bad person and started being afraid of people, that's when I got attacked the most. And it's like, you don't even have to say anything. People smell the fear on you and they just come at you and you get journalists coming at you. But if you, um, have a conversation with yourself in the mirror and say like, Hey, Pardes, you're a good person. You love humans and you are like, just like everybody else. And you have feelings and you're a normal, nice person, like stop being afraid of humans that, that don't like that. I don't know. Like there's nothing, there's not, there's nothing to be afraid of. And like, I 
And not only is there nothing to be afraid of, but you should embrace doing something positive like becoming a patron because we just oh. got a patron right now. And Pardes, this is probably thanks to you. We just Thank got a new you. $5 patron. I'm going to shout out their name right now. This is amazing. I mean, this is what Thank it's all you. about. It's about being a patron to break the rules. That's what it's all about at the end of the day because we bring people together like nobody's business. But I want to make sure, though, that we... Uh, and I'm going to get get their name over here real quick. But I want to make sure that uh, I fine-tune your answer a little bit uh, when we're talking about what exactly may happen. I know you don't have a crystal ball. I think only it was... Uh, I think only Brittany Venti had a crystal ball, an actual crystal ball that she showcased to us on the last stream with Sticks. But... Uh, I don't know Brittany you... Venti, but she seems like a raging biatch i don't oh, know her. she's nice well, she's nice i don't know her and i don't know anything about her but i literally just saw a video she made about one of my friends and my friend told me i shouldn't say anything so i won't say anything but like because my friend is like i know pardes i know exactly what's going on my advice the two of them should come on btr and settle everything okay yes. that's that's what and we should I will do be there also and you know you know why because oh, your friend was also on btr your friend was also on BTR, and so wow. is Brittany. So this should definitely happen. And if you're watching this right now, let's make this happen. Uh, Brittany's in favor. I don't know, of it. love. I'm I'm starting to think this through. I think maybe that would be. A you bad know what? Idea. You <laughs> know what? I've spent the whole day trying to convince people to fight with me, and nobody wants to fight with me because I'm a girl. So if I can find girls to fight with me, that would be awesome. BTR and, cat fight edition. Cat fight. And also part of the wow. reason why look, I'm just gonna say part of the reason why you got a, a patron is also because you, you bring because the pretty girls bring the business. Let's be honest here, guys. Yes. So like it's where it it's like true. they don't want it, they don't want to look at our ugly faces. Okay. <laughs> so it's fine. Uh, yeah. She, Your part of has a, beautiful. Well, that's very kind of you. But the thing is it's like is no, cool. part has a following. Has a following. Part has, has had stalkers. All right. <laughs> and we, are, we allowed, are we allowed to talk about that a little bit? It's pretty funny. Okay, never yeah. mind. Oh, stalker. It was fine. It was fine. That's actually when we, you and I first started hanging out, actually, because you're like we're more like acquaintances, and then like, hey, this guy. I won't go into too much detail, but like, what do I do? All this stuff and talk to he's talking to she's talking to local police and not working. So, I got a very very close friend in the FBI, and and I talked to him about it, and he knows who you are. You know, you follows you on Twitter. He's got an he has an anon account. They call me like a year later. And they're like, hi, this is the FBI. We just right. wanted to see how you're doing. And I'm like, it was like the Washington field about? office finally. It could be dead by now. They're too busy investigating like grandmas who are in the Capitol. And then instead, they <laughs> yeah. finally got down to like a real stalker case. So, yeah. So my buddy like said, hey, do this. And he actually arranged an appointment with the FBI field office, the Washington field office. And we went, and part as I went there, we were both living in DC at the time. And we like went there, and then they're like, "Oh wait, no, it's no appointment. Sorry, you can't come." They're like, "Okay, fine." So it didn't it didn't really go anywhere, but we'll leave it. At that. I appreciate it's, it a lot. We'll leave it. It was no, it was interesting. It was fun, but yeah. So Pardes has many fans. Big. Some of them are really big fans. So. And by the way, uh, Paul is east of the Pecos or Pesos. That is the name of the person who became our patron for five dollars. Once again, thank you so thank much. You. And we have a D Live oh. thumbs up from Warrior watching on D Live. So go forget, guys. We are live streaming this on D Live, on Facebook, on Twitch, on YouTube. We are doing this everywhere. On Odyssey. We are live streaming this on Odyssey, which is a great platform that you guys should join. I'm gonna post the link in a bit. But back to the crystal ball question. If you, Pardes, had a crystal ball 
and uh, you were to look into that crystal ball, would you see that a lot of this uh, nonsense is going on right now with the mass censorship, with all the things that people cannot openly criticize lest they get fired? Do you think that there's going to come a point where it's going to get so much and so crazy that uh, the worst nightmare of the people who, like, you know, try to imagine that there is a fascist underneath every pillow, that those fascists would actually be made on account of people having had enough and see the only recourse as being that? And I hope that's not going to happen, but, like, would there be any point at which that would seem to be, like, the desperate option left uh, if things get uh, too horrible. I think some fascists will be made, but also there's going to be a, a ton of people that will uh, break through it. And like, people are always like, you know, again, another conversation today, Pardes, your deplatform is coming. What am I going to be deplatformed on? But um, like, even if, even if Twitter were to deplatform everybody and their mom, like, who cares? There's going to be, that's actually a bigger sign that there's going to be more and greater things out there. And there are already, you know, like things uh, are, Twitter is not forever. Twitter is, is actually a very new website. You know, like if you think about it, it hasn't been around for so long. 12, 13 years, I think, something like that, since 2007-ish. Yeah, yeah. and like, it's not going to be around forever. I mean, you know, people are using Discord. 4chan's been around for for a long time i know but it's not the same it's not i think that's the well sorry i cut you off i'm sorry but. it's it's not the same but there's always going to be like other stuff and there's there's always there's like just because you've been to flat platform it doesn't mean that you've disappeared um it's it's just you're and like i'm not trying to say it's going to be fine and dandy but i think that there's so many people like that think the same way that you do that like you have you have a network it doesn't have to be on twitter but whatever but whatever network uh, you're going to have the uh, big concern is that one after another it's going to be shut down if uh, it's not going to have servers somewhere like in a country you know that's not going to be connected with the united states for example like, there are certain things that people are trying to fix. Like, I don't know, Urbit. Like, Geo, isn't Urbit trying to address some of these uh, bigger infrastructural problems as opposed to just, well, this side is down, so we're now going to go to another one? Well, not really, because, I mean, maybe, but Urbit, it's still very limited to, like, tech nerds that are able to code and things like that. Like, there's well, a, everything high, is a very first. high ceiling of engagement, you know what I mean? Like, that's... Mm. Which, in some ways, that's what the internet started off as. Exactly. I mean, that's, you know. Well, that got, that gives me hope right there. But I want to bring the same question to Tom, because again, we don't have uh, we don't have World War One veterans right now who are uh, going to street fights. We have people LARPing, putting on costumes, but at the same time, the street fights that were experienced uh, back during the uh, summertime, you know, and several summers before as well. I wouldn't say it's a joke. People actually got hurt. People actually, you know, suffered from the riots that were going on, the uh, you know, summer 2020 and all that. So do you think that there is going to be a boiling point at which uh, people will, you know, not really see any way out other than having to physically confront, which I hope is not going to happen? I don't think so. Or I think it's going to, it would have to get a whole lot worse. And, I, and I'd say that because 
a lot of these things that you see, a lot of these protests, these fights, right? It definitely is the LARPing. The problem is it's getting amplified. It's getting a lot more attention than it probably would deserve. And so it's getting, you know, it's being beamed into people's phones and on their TVs all the time. But I don't really think it's like, okay, like compare this. If you like read some recent history and talk to your parents, your grandparents, right? And like what the civil rights movement was like, right? Now, no matter where you fall on any of that stuff, right? It's like things were a lot worse during those times. Like when we talk about like race riots, um and then anti-war protests things were a lot bigger and a lot more people were really really motivated and right now it's like I, people see these fights going on and they talk about proud boys and antifa I, I i'd say that one of the things that's really interesting to think about is like i talk to a lot of people and, and I, i'm assuming you guys do too people who aren't on twitter right like there's, there's a lot of folks that like aren't on twitter like I, I don't have many friends or family that are on twitter the only reason they're even on twitter at all is because like I'm on there and they create account because they see funny stuff that I said or whatever they think it's interesting. But like that's it. And you know, I think it's only like what six or seven percent of Americans have a Twitter account or something like that. It's not that many compared to Facebook or Instagram. And whereas like Facebook and Instagram is more about personal, it's your friends and family. You know, you can't really communicate too much with people if you're not friends with them or at least connected with them. And then you might have that ridiculous long you know facebook debate or argument with your cousin you haven't seen in years or whatever but the thing is it was like the vast majority of folks don't really follow a lot of this stuff they don't they're not like very on very online now granted they are watching cnn fox right or msnbc or like the big networks they see stuff on like new york times they see that but what's really good i think the really good sign is that so many americans today like look at all the polling i can't spit out any numbers or anything like that like, just don't trust the media, the corporate media. They just don't trust it. So a lot of folks are like, yeah, things are kind of crazy. I'm not sure. But the everyday people I talk to is like around here and other places, like, it's nobody not here as cares. big of a concern. What's nobody, in Texas, nobody in Texas cares. No. People in Texas no. don't care. But it's like, it's, it very much is because just because, like, somebody has a lot of followers on Twitter doesn't mean you walk down the street and people know who you are. You're not really that much celebrity. I think, like, one time. Natalie and I got spotted at a restaurant, just weird happenstance in Anaheim. And somebody's like, hey, are you Tom's huh? Hey, I follow you on Twitter. And I'm like, holy shit. I was like, oh my God. I, you know, I only had like like 12,000 followers or something like that at the time. And I was like, oh my God, Natalie, come here. Look, they know us. Like, yeah, it's, it's just... And it was just like, it was kind of exciting, but it was like, that was more random than anything else. And even when we go, and like when we go to things like big events, like Trump events or conservative events, media events like CPAC and anything like that, even then, People who are like very online, right? On they follow this stuff, like don't necessarily know who you are, really care, or anything like that. And it's like people just don't follow as much stuff. So like one thing to kind of realize is that we are very much, even us here on this uh, on this thing, we're very much a niche, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like the same niche as like people who like really follow baseball, yeah, or something. We're like get into it, like who's traded this and his ERA, this guy's betting here, like like. You know, I like baseball, sure, but I, I couldn't tell you the starting lineup of like the Yankees or the Dodgers right now. I just can't. I'm like, yeah, baseball, yeah. Does it make sense to you guys? Well, like, so, so basically, like what I'm saying is that I think we're going to be just fine when it comes to what you're seeing on in terms of that. Now, what does get me concerned is like the really big picture stuff, right? Where it's like if we see a massive economic downturn, everyone's talking about it, like something's coming. Everyone feels like, you know, the mass of the debt is just astronomical. It's, hard, it's even hard to conceive of how bad the debt is right now. What the, you know, what inflation, interest rates, all that crap, like that can really affect people, 
right? And so mm. if we were to see some massive economic collapse, okay, then things are going to get really hairy. But it's and, uh, not because of a bunch of nerds fighting in the street. No, I, could, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And Pardes, you are within the real estate market right now. So can you tell us what you're seeing as far as what may happen in a year from now or a couple of years? Uh, what exactly is the, uh, the, the... I don't know. I'm not an expert on this. You're the expert. So Pardes, what do you think? Oh, no. Where'd you go? No, She's here. I didn't realize that my, my camera kept going on and off. But There we go. Oh. Yeah, I, I actually, I feel, I actually really agree with Tom. Um, I, don't, I don't know, honestly, like in the next few years, I think like everybody, if something happens, like I think, I think everyone's going to be affected. Uh, if, if, you know, our, our economy isn't strong enough to handle whatever's happening next, um, whatever trade wars are coming, I, I think that's, everybody's issue it's not just going to affect a few people you know it's not going to affect people on the right um yeah and and also like pe people it is really a niche it is really like a niche group that this the uh, conservative media world and it's very comforting to know that and when i when i first moved to texas and i was trying to get into real estate um i i had applied for a real estate team and i put in you know like you know, I had my resume and everything. And part of it was like, I had worked, you know, done work for the Trump campaign. And um, I was terrified that, you know, it's like, it's a big real estate team. It's part of Keller Williams. I was terrified that they were going to look at it and be like, nope, get out of here. Or like that I was going to have a terrible time in the company. But um, after a while, and then so like the first time I actually didn't even, I actually retracted my application because I was so, I got so stuck in my head about it. I was like, these people aren't going to accept me. I'm going to get in trouble, whatever. But then later on, like I was looking up a lot of the people on the team and like, there are a lot of Trump supporters or a lot of right wingers and stuff like that. And they didn't even seem very political. It's just for them. It's like, it's just like sports. It's not, it's not like, you know, tied to their lives. So I ended up getting on the team. And even when I did get on, uh, there were people on the internet who were calling mass emailing my team trying to get me in trouble because they saw that you know ted cruz really? retweeted me yeah ted cruz retweeted me um and that like it was like a viral tweet and it wasn't even anything that was really political in my opinion like i didn't think that i was being in any way too political and uh it, it was like just like a, a swarm of people trying to get me in trouble and trying to get me kicked off of my team and like I don't even think anybody on the team noticed or cared one time like one of my team my, my team leader actually one time commented to me like hey these people on the internet are kind of creepy haha <laughs> that's all <laughs> so wait so part of this real quick so you're telling me that you had some folks folks some haters whatever track down the fact that you're working for you're working for this real estate firm in in texas oh yeah and like found like scraped up some email addresses and sent an email like do you yeah. understand who you're with yeah white uh what, what i gotta say though is like just stop for a second what a fucking loser i mean it happened multiple people did this by but the way really it happened sure. okay what a bunch of fucking losers like seriously like that's what they have to do because that says a lot more about them than it says about you Right. It really yeah. does. 
Yeah. Well, people well, have a lot of time on their hands today, and uh, Pardis is a very beautiful girl, so I think that there's a part of them that gets jealous. Why is this beautiful oh, girl God. spending so much time, uh, you, you know, whatever, you know, fighting for this other side yeah, when she should raise the red flag with the yellow star with me and, uh, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, I think the, the problem is, uh, like, the niche conservative, um, like, the niche conservative pundit, um, what would you call it? network or space it seems that i mean you know there's very you know they're funded by certain people and they're very few funds to go around and they really um they've sort of repeated a lot of the same stuff i mean with a few exceptions i mean tucker carlson is generally pretty good because he's chosen i think to hire people uh on the ground who are more aware of uh what i guess you could probably call the internet right wing or the dissident right or whatnot are talking about but in general i think the problem with a lot of conservative media figures at least from my perspective and the people that i'm associated with or whatnot is that they really um they're kind of fine with the way things are as long as they have their little space um there's been many figures that they've not shielded in my opinion that they haven't sort of fought for in the sense of meaningful legislation and change um they'd much rather just have you know the fox news segment and that's pretty much i mean i know i'm being very cynical and sardonic well i I think a lot of people have been burned and uh because a lot of people in the conservative media have sort of refused to change their approach to the actual enemy that we are uh, engaged with. So it's, it's the opposite of what BTR does, where we talk to pretty much anybody. And uh, But anyway, Pardes, <laughs> well, you've ha- c- can you speak about what Gio said right now, this approach that something like Fox News has, for example? Yeah, I don't think you're being cynical at all. I think you're 100% correct. And I'll even mm. go uh, so far as to say that they, they will actively backstab like other people in the conservative media space because mm-hmm. they need to be the only people. And they also need to control the narrative of like what conservative media is like because they're so afraid. They're even more afraid of most people of getting canceled. They're so afraid of getting canceled that they will like, they will actively go out and try to cancel as many people as they can in the conservative media space so they can be like, the uh, the nice conservatives, the good ones, and yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much infighting I've seen, like in private conversations. This as part of you know, I mean, yeah. oh yeah, there's like oh, and it's it's usually, I mean, it's like there's always stuff about somebody hates this because they said this and don't like this, and this person slept with that person, so I don't like that person. Nah, this person that's you know, happened a lot. This girl sleeping with all the guys. I, I, I think they're not gonna see this guy hard and this and this and this, but he likes her and I don't like. Blah, 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 and you're just like it's just and it's just like it, it's honestly it's a lot like high school or like college. It's a lot of that crap going on. Well, and I mean, just like anything, it's not unique yeah. to that, but it's just like there's a ton of that. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so yeah, it's it, yeah, it's a lot. Well, even that. even in certain like more dissident spaces i mean there's always rumors about people sleeping with each other i mean that one event that happened uh the one rally that was a total disaster that was probably a not not the recent one i'm talking about the uh the the charlotteville (laughs) no i shouldn't even mention the name on youtube Um, but there was there was rumor well apart apart from being a certain glow-in-the-dark activities certain bioluminescent uh forces um (laughs) There was always rumors of people sleeping with each other and media figures, and it's really uh, apparently conven- media conventions are a hot, literally a hotbed 
of uh, various uh, trysts. Mm. Well, um, Pardes, you skipped oh, yeah. out on you skipped out on CPAC this year, right? Oh, uh, in was it in DC? Yeah, Orlando I think so. this year. Oh, Orlando. Yeah. It was Orlando this year. I wasn't there. You're supposed to be there. That's where Natalie and I got engaged. You're supposed to be. Oh there. yeah, I wish I was. I wish I was there. <laughs> I else had to watch. I would have. I, I would come just for that. I know. Well, how, yeah. How, how lame is that? I wouldn't. I, I proposed to my girlfriend uh, at CPAC. <laughs> At the well, Project Veritas amazing. party, no last. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny how a lot of these things work. We had uh, Helen of Troy back in the day with the uh, with the Trojan War. Then we had Zoe Quinn with Gamergate. You know, like, th these are the things that make all of these conflicts possible. It all comes back down to the, uh, the fair sex, if you will. But uh, anyway... When it comes to uh, Fox News, we get it like there's a lot of uh, high school drama going on, all these things. But as far as people actually getting uh, a decent news uh, source, what do you personally think it is today, Pardis, other than break the rules? Like, where would you personally look at as uh, being somewhere that's informative? Twitter. <laughs> I'm contradicting what I said earlier about Twitter not being necessary, but... I mean, I, if I didn't have Twitter, I'd use somewhere else probably. But like right now, Twitter, I get all my news from Twitter. Who, yeah. who do you like to follow? Uh, Tom. I follow Tom. I follow you. Thank you. Uh, I follow. Well, you got to follow Geo now. Yeah. Otherwise, oh, it's, it's going to be rude. <laughs> well, I'm locked right now because uh, pronouns have found my uh, tweet going against their uh, their they're beautiful married couple i dubs and the the only fans girl um but no i think the another problem i i feel is uh yeah you have to know the deep lore it's not even uh, worth mentioning um <laughs> um the the other problem i feel is that when it comes to actual attitudes towards certain things i know like you have um i mean okay project veritas does actually do good work um but the problem is that veritas they are sort of like put in a Skinner box by the media as being quote unquote editing. I remember when that abortion video came out, this was a uh, five years ago um, yeah. when they were, you know, they selectively edited it. Then they, they pulled out the full thing. Oh no, but apparently you can edit someone's words through telekinesis. Um, so they're, so they're quote unquote discredited. But I noticed the problem uh, is that we mentioned real estate and uh, I think like, the recent black what's the company called black rock black so rock yeah, yeah 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 black water black rock why is it that all these black something in the title Well, because they have black hearts that's the problem <laughs> um I, I hate to pick on ben shapiro but it, the tweet and the reply that i know everybody was going crazy over was that well you know they're a private company and they can do what they want and that's sort of like the standard like conservative quote-unquote like pro-business like it's it's really just the remnants of like the ronald reagan like you know neoliberal economic policy the sort of supply side economic stuff but the thing is a lot of people a lot of younger people in the right they are conservatives they're sort of looking past that to a much older sort of tradition of conservatism that is not exactly not exactly you know pro quote-unquote pro i mean it's the pro-free market but really let's call it what it is it's like this sort of corporatist like bent to it um and, and i noticed like like even like claire lehman from from quiet you know that's another person where they're like uh 
she was like, oh, these hideous incels, they can't just, you know, find a job. It's like, that's, to me, that's like a, a sort of a sign of like a very sclerotic, like uh, media environment around conservatism. That's sort of like holding a boot to the throat of like a lot of different, like younger people that don't share a lot of those, you know, older, let's call it, you know, quote unquote, older boomer. Um, yeah, but well, I've, I've rambled on too much. Speaking of people that got canceled. Yeah, yeah, we oh, have a special wow. guest here, Ali Alexander. Oh Welcome for the first time in Break the Rules history, hey, the great Ali. Again. Let's okay. let's break the rules. What's going on, y'all? This is hell so yeah. Cool. Wow, so, Ali has not made me believe it. Anyone's he has not even uh, come on my live stream. Ali, what's come on? Why didn't you come on my live stream? You know, I think and you're willing to go on Lev's live stream. Yeah, I mean, I love I love uh, Lev and Jules break the rules. It's good to see Tom. Uh, I don't know Gio, but hello. And oh. and um, uh, yeah, it's just I think it's interesting. I think this is the future, and I think that um, you know, in the fall, we'll be vindicated. I say we as in the canceled folks, but um, yeah, I'm just enjoying the conversation. Absolutely. And it's so interesting to have seen you with the uh, great water filter merchant himself, Alex Jones, on the <laughs> air, you know, not that long ago. And I've always been curious about what it's like to uh, sit and eat barbecue with him and just generally chill out with the great man himself. Alex is the same on screen as he is uh, off screen. And uh, um, yeah, that's Alex. Yeah, you have to be very genuine. Absolutely. And also uh, somebody who was also a guest on Alex's show, Sticks Hexenhammer 666, he was uh, a guest on our uh, stream recently as well, as well as uh, Brittany Venti. And uh, what I try to do now with Break the Rules is, uh, besides having these big stars on, be able to have people on who are from more of this extremely online world, bring them together with people who are much more uh, mainstream, much more, uh, you know, professional political people. And uh, I really do think that that is the future right there, because these two worlds hardly ever get a chance to talk to each other, and they end up living in their own bubbles. But when it comes to breaking out of these bubbles for, let's say, the normies, I have more confidence, let's say, in people who may be living in, like, in places like Texas or, you know, people who may be more skeptical of things that are going on just because even if they're wrong, the fact that they're willing to put up a fight for, you know, regardless of people pointing the finger at them means that they're not at least going to conform as easily. And my biggest fear has nothing to do even, like, with the masks and things of that nature. It's more like when people get conditioned to a certain stimuli where it's better to be uh, safe than sorry as far as what you're allowed to speak about, what you're allowed to do, then how many people, and this is a question for everyone, I would love to start with you, Ali, how many people would just buckle down and be a robot and act such that they're not going to get into trouble, and where exactly would that limit for most people be? Would it be that, I don't know, I would be, I would be open to, I don't know, having my children being uh, taken away from me if I uh, call them the wrong pronoun. You know, where exactly for most people who have been conditioned to a certain level today would enough be enough? But also, like, just keep in mind that that you've sort of, uh, you've bared the brunt of, like, the the face of power as raw as you can get, the American, American security apparatus. Um, and 
so it's you must have a, an interesting perspective on how these things work and how sort of media narratives can work in in ways that and let's face it honestly demonize people and like just the the discourse that have come out of the uh well for youtube let's just say the incident um yeah i, w- I wonder how how that experience is, has been like oh that's interesting i think that um the american people proved uh during the um bipartisan lockdown that we're willing to tolerate uh um a loss of liberty that exceeds that of 911 um and uh i think it caught a lot of us off guard house uh, arrest in your house yeah like I'm, for not a crime yeah I, I totally agree and i think that i actually helped contribute to that i was a coronavirus bull uh, as i like to say and and I, I think some of my other friends were and and i think that you know you can only you you can only like do analysis based off the information that you have so I, I, in a lot of ways, it's like I don't regret it, but I regret what the security state has done to take advantage of it. And um, so um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not so optimistic about um, what what people and humans will tolerate. Um, but I am, I am bullish that America's filled with miracles. Um, we, we have these divergent points from the revolution to the civil war and, uh, to the civil rights movement. It doesn't always take violence, um, to, um, kind of buck this, uh, linear order of progression. So I think, um, I think, you know, I'm very sad. I'm very, very sad. Uh, corporations have taken away the efficiousness of the first amendment. Um, and, um, um, and the liberals are gone and all we have now are these progressives to kind of um, remind us of our individualism, but, you know, we'll get through it. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have cheery words to say, but. Um, um, and one, and uh, what do you think is going to happen um, during the Biden Kamala administration? I mean, I personally, I don't know. Uh, as to longevity, I mean, maybe we, we may see a President Kamala, but what do you think of that? And also, I wanted, after that, I wanted to ask Tom about specifically this, the future of the American security state. But yeah, go, go ahead. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that anything will happen. I'll tell you this. I'm pleasantly surprised with the Biden administration's ineffectiveness. Uh, I haven't even follow, been following them. Yeah. The Biden. I forget we have a president. Yeah, I know. It's because you hear about oh, yeah, the president. Every president. Day, right? Okay, yeah. I guess he is. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but traditionally, the president, I mean, it's a weird thing to say where I don't like this idea that the president shouldn't have any power. But at the same time, what exactly was the design that the founding fathers put into this country as far as they should have put some kind of uh, safeguards if, let's say, you elect a, uh, I don't know, a pigeon for president or you elect, you know, the uh, the town drunk for the president. However it goes, there should be certain safeguards to make sure that that 
figure alone with uh, checks and balances and so on and so forth would not be enough to dismantle the entire thing. I mean, I generally believe, and I know some people in more reactionary sides of Twitter would differ, uh, di would see differences here with me, but I generally believe that our system is going to be the most rugged. The system, okay, Ali's got to run. Whatever, whatever. Anyway, thank you, I, Ali, I say, for coming I, I in actually, here. Okay. I, I got a thought on that. Is Yeah, I mean, there already is that check and balance. That when things get, if something got, were to get really crazy, yeah, we do have Article 5. Right. Which is the constant. Like, I'm no, you know, con law scholar and like that, but I like, you know, I can read and write above a 10th grade level. And it's like, you know, that's part of what is, is built in there where it's like, hey, we have to like essentially reconvene a constitutional convention and you can change a lot of things. I mean, that's where I mean, you can literally have like, you know, states can secede out of the union. They can change all sorts of things. They can fundamentally change the Constitution. That's what they're for. But also, if you guys keep in mind, it's, it's interesting like, throughout history is you know these days we look at like the president people think that's like oh the president just kind of runs the country like he's just like this like all-powerful ceo of the country it wasn't designed that way it really wasn't until the lincoln administration right it's like he's before that it was like really congress that ran the show and you had this you know guy who was like the head of government head of state right and he had certain powers very limited because but we didn't have a big army we didn't have we barely had a navy and it was like we weren't able to do a whole lot so it was really he was there for you know, he was kind of the figurehead, but really it was Congress that ran the show, not unlike, you know, the parliamentary system in the UK. You know, I mean, it wasn't it, was, it wasn't too different from that. And then it wasn't really until the Lincoln administration and later where it really got serious is when in FDR. I mean, after the war, I mean, FDR it was you know, pretty damn fascist if you really want to look at it. Right. In terms of like what he did. So uh, that's one of the things that I kind of see right there. I, you know, I'd, I'd say, that, but then, um, uh, you know, as far as like, you know, you could say, you know, if you were to ask that question of a liberal, some lefty, they'd be like, well, we already have that. We elected a reality TV star buffoon real estate tycoon as the president, right? Like, that's what they tell you, you know, and like they'd have a case for that. They really would. But, you know, um, and just kind of answer, like, I think honestly, I, I do think we're going to be okay. But, I'm more worried about, I'm far less worried about the government. I'm far more worried about corporate media and the and massively all-powerful corporations. That's what I'm really worried about. That's what actually has me worried far more than anything the government has. And frankly, I don't think there's a whole lot the government can do about it. I mean, look, Facebook itself is more powerful than most countries. It's good. But do they have a uh, army? I mean, when it comes to, let's say you know, that... Who uh, says they need one? Who says you need one? Well, how would you enforce certain things? Like it's even, but it's just influencing, right? Facebook mm -hmm. tells people what to think. Well, speaking of that, follow our Facebook page just popped up here. We do have a Break the Rules <laughs> Facebook page that you guys have yeah. to become a uh, member of. And by the way, whoever is typing in the keyboard, we can hear that. Just F oh FYI. shit, sorry, love. No, no problem at all, buddy. But uh, but anyway, when it comes to these uh, influences that people are in right now, so Ali is much more pessimistic than you are tom when it comes to freedom loving americans for me it also comes down to two things the audit of the elites and the audit of the american people both of whom could either be seen as being just as they always were better than they were before or worse than they were before so when it comes to you pardes i mean you are a young woman uh, you do not, let's say, have the full... I mean, Tom, you are also a young man, rel relatively speaking. We're all very young here. But as far as history... You. You're welcome. As far as history, going, uh, you know, way back when, people were very abusive when it came to 
having, uh, you know, back in Teddy Roosevelt's day, having uh, all of these uh, trusts uh, take over all these various industries, and eventually those were uh, done away with. So when it comes to the abuses that we see today and the way that the quote-unquote elites act today, how different is it from before? Is noblesse oblige just a fairy tale that we tell to comfort ourselves on there having been a better golden age that we could someday return to, when in reality maybe it wasn't anything of the sort, it was much more corrupt, it was much more ruthless, and people would have been much... People would have kissed the feet of Biden and Kamala Harris if they, if, if, if they would have been transported to today. I mean, this is me being very devil's advocate about this, but how much do we know about the past as far as the way that the elites acted and the various checks that were put on the elites to prevent them from doing something that people are talking about them abusing their power today? Pardes, that's to you. Um, that's that was to a you. big question. That was a big question. It's actually not. It's actually a small question said very bigly. Because the small question is basically, are the people of the present who are in positions of power, are they worthy enough of our, uh, let's say, uh, keeping the same system that's currently in place because the people of the past were probably much more worse than today? That That's kind of the question. Wait, Lev, what? Because, wait, I'm sorry. Okay, people I'll say it again. I'm yes. Okay, no problem, no problem. People in the past... What? Yes, people in the past. I'll explain. They once were expected again. to worship their rulers. Is that what you're saying? No. Okay. I, I understand I your question, Lev. And, okay. And, and, and I'll I'll jump in and answer it if you don't mind. Go for it. You don't mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna interject here unless part of really want to say something. So, okay. Yeah. I I agree that. Um, okay. We usually look at our elites, right? That are betters, you know, yeah. as being oh they're looking out they're good. And like guess what? I don't think they're worthy today. I don't think they are. You know, there was a time not that long ago where if you were born into a really good family and you came from money, typically you were expected. It's almost like a responsibility, you know, with great, you know, with great power becomes great responsibility, all that crap. Right. And yeah. like, I think that was really true. These are the folks who like they entered the military. They led industries. Right. And like and, and just because they might have made a lot of money and be really successful, they still did a lot of good for human progress. Right. Whether it came to industry, agriculture. You know, military, writing, literature, politics. But right now, it's like you even look now, like where are our top performers going in like coming out of academia? They're not going in engineering. They're not going into, you know, building things and creating things. They're very few of them are going into the military, which I don't think has as much value and importance as it once did. They're going into law and they're going into finance and they're going, you know what I mean? They're going into journalism. Right. That's where they're all going. It's, you know, and these are really areas that don't really create a whole lot. You know, I, that's one of the things I, that, that's yeah, that's, the I look at it. They don't, there's not a lot of creators. There's some, of course, there's exceptions, but I'd say in general, it's like, we used to, you know, the best, and the brightest would go into, you know, engineering, they build things, they create things, um, you know, and now they're going into law and finance. That's where they are. That's or they go into some tech and they're going to move to Silicon Valley and try to create the new killer app or something. And, but today I, yeah, I, I generally say that I don't think most of our elites are really kind of worthy of where they're at. And also, who else do we worship? Our celebrities, right? Which, <laughs> really, they don't have a whole lot of virtue. And, and I'll say this much, like, you know, I went to a fan, like, I said this last time on the show, I went to a fancy pants school, Naval Academy, right? But it's not quite up there with, like, your Harvard, Yale, Princeton. But it's still, like, we send a lot of, like, notable people there. And I went to school with a lot of 
uh, sons with last names of people you would recognize, right? Yes. And, you know, I'd say that um, for the most part, though, a lot of those guys actually, like, really, they, they really stepped up. They did because they came from privilege and they lived up to that privilege or at least tried their very best to. So I was actually, like, pretty pleased by that. I was like, you know, was, you know one or two guys in particular who are very, you know, became very successful. They, 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 they did their duty for king and country for sure. And now they're doing really interesting things on the civilian side. And I think that's great. Uh, I'm not seeing a whole lot of that out of the Ivies. At least I'm not aware of. I mean, I'm sure there's some, but you know, I, 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 uh, I don't. But was there a lot out of the Ivies before, though? That's the part that I don't understand. And by the way, the word that I was looking for. Thank you very much, Philip Daniel. The word I was looking for was uh, loyalty. Do the elites uh, deserve our loyalty? That would be that would be the simplest way to say it. And actually, Pardes, do you do you think the the elites today deserve our loyalty? I don't know. I think what Tom says said makes a lot of sense. Um, and I don't know if it's that the elites are going down. Maybe it's also that because of the internet and everybody having endless access to information, everybody else is just becoming, we're all becoming leveled kind of. So the elites don't really have that much leverage over other people with a phone. Even people, you know, even people in third world countries are knowing, you know, learning how to code and, and they can do it for cheap. But doesn't yes that also, no. I, I, I you know, Gio, I think we may be simpatico in our thought process right now because oh, the people who are learning how to that code. That rarely happens. It rarely happens. <laughs> but when it does, it's a very beautiful thing. We should even like do like a little heart shape over here with our hands like a silhouette. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> uh, when people... When people learn how to code, yeah. When people learn how to code, that's great. My concern, though, is that those people being connected to the internet. I'm not sure how many in the future we're going to have very distinct personalities, uh, tastes. It really does seem like the bread and circus bullshit of the internet is what most people we, we are need paying to, the most attention to. We need to cordon off the internet. I think that we need to have like regional internets and then everyone can go back after a few years to the big one and see what like creative cultural antipods can like come up. But that's sort of like romantic vision. I don't know. Um, well, it already thinking? is in a way. I mean, the various. Oh, the language the... barrier is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, even like even memes, like, for example, Sparrow, I think came from Denmark. Is that Sparto Sparde. Yeah, it was yes. a Denmark or Finland. No, it was Finland. Pardes, do you know do you know Spurdo Sparde by any chance? No. All right. Uh, well, don't you. worry about it. Don't. don't no, worry I'll about I'll show um, you an image of Spurdo. Well, which I one? Get... I mean, show her gondola. That's probably the most wholesome one. Well, the original, the original... one. The original one is great. So, uh, Pardes, <laughs> this is yeah. No, no, it's we're doing this. A meme stream. We're doing um, this. This is Spurdo, and I want to I want to get your opinion on Spurdo. What do you think? <laughs> what is that? That's Spurdo. Spurdo Sparty. It's a pedo bear. That's no, oh, no, 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 no. It was the okay. So here's how it started. First, there was this thing called Kuma, which means bear in Japan, from the board called Two Channel, which was kind of like the ancestor of 4chan. It was before 4chan. Yes, it was the one yes. that Moot ripped off from. Yeah. Yes, and then Moot uh, ripped it off and created Pedo Bear. So the original bear <laughs> was not a pedo, but the new bear was a pedo. But then. It went into another evolution. I feel like we're talking about like Finland... some esoteric manga right now. Well, this is, well, this is the, this I feel is the like point. I, not a, I don't know. The, 
<laughs> no, but do you like do you like the design at least? You know, of uh... short gondola. Everyone loves gondola. Short gondola. Yes. Well, I want to show Matthew the Stout's version of gondola. Yeah, I think that yeah, one, yeah. That but no, my point my point being is that I think that in some ways I agree. With... It's hard to describe because I'm I'm generally like as much as I love the internet, as much as like I live on the internet. I think that um, in some ways they're finding more nuanced forms of controlling people that um, aren't necessarily like going to be as overt as like the direct control of information. Like they're, they're, they're going, probably going to delete a lot of information, but they're, they're probably um, they'll find more sophisticated ways of just channeling people into certain selective platforms and they'll basically close off a vast like huge swath of the internet when as more people as more quote-unquote normal people have gone gotten onto the online world you'll you're starting to see this like people being comfortable with just basically violating uh as stupid as this sounds violating those norms that those nerds back in the early 2000s uh created for themselves back in the the heyday of the internet so yeah uh, one thing I want, I, you, I'm gonna, I want to answer, sorry, what, I was kind of catch up on some of the chats on there. Oh, yeah. And it was one of the things on here that said is like when you said, just to answer the question, what does knowing their name have anything to do with the power and influence they hold from a fallen student? Now, when I say I know their name, what I'm saying is like they, they are the sons of people who are in exceptional <laughs> positions of power, right? And, oh, hi. Okay. That's Gondola. My oh, buddy Matt Visto created this, yeah. <laughs> oh, Okay. All right, that's a nice question. It's cute, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, some, uh, yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, hey, one thing also to, to put like, when you talk about like the future, like where things are going, is one of the things I see, you can see it slowly happening now, and I'm frankly, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it, is one of the things I realized, like, you're, it's going to be really hard to change a lot of people's minds, right? It just is. And especially when you look, and obviously the division is, I think it's far less about race it's or even wealth. I think it's more about urban and rural. I'd say definitely on a lot of levels. I mean, wealth has a lot to do with it, but, but also there's a lot of correlation with race and wealth, sadly. But I would also say that like, uh, one of the promising things in general is like, I kind of like seeing some of this balkanization, right? Maybe like, I like to see some more of it in a way where it's like, we're kind of self-segregating. You know, you hear yeah, about all the time. I like that you know, too. Part, part is you were in DC, right? And then you went back to LA for a little while. And where are you now? You're in Texas. I'm in Texas, right? and there's so many people that are coming here also with the same ideas. Well, California, that I New York, right? Yeah. And now the thing is, is one thing I like to like say is like, yeah, I'm in California. Sure, I'm in Southern California, but I'm in Newport Beach. It's not California, right? I'm in Orange County. It's not like the rest of California. It's not like LA, whatever. I like my little enclave where it's like conservative, there's law and order, it's very safe, it's very clean. Yes, it's expensive, I totally agree. It's hard to afford it, but it's like, you know, it's great if you, ha if, if you can afford it, but I mean, you say that about anything. And, you know, I, a lot of people always ask me like, oh, why don't you, what are you doing in California? Like, these are my business partners and close friends. Like, why are you in California? You need to move to Texas or Florida. And like, you know, I think about Florida one day maybe, but I like where I'm at right now. I really do. And I mean, I don't go to LA if I can ever help it. I only go to LA if I have to. And it's just like, I kind of like this where I'm at right now. And and I really don't have any intention of ever leaving, uh, at least anytime soon. And, Maybe I'll you know, join you someday. What's that? Maybe I'll join you guys someday. I remember when you were when you were in town with us, uh, what, about a month ago, a little over a month ago, it was like, yeah. you're like, this ain't so bad. Maybe I'll come here, you know? Yeah. 
The real thing seems is is, is a, it's like what Tim Dillon said. Like it's a, it's a goddamn knife fight. Yeah, here the real estate. Scene. <laughs> It's well, a, it's a goddamn night fight in Times Square right now in New York City as well, which is why a lot of people are uh, moving yeah. out. And there's probably going to be this kind of, uh, you know, splitting up of uh, different uh, places. But my biggest concern is more like in terms of uh, the United States being a world power no more and having power gaps open up. Could two things work at the same time? Could you have the United States still be a world power even though internally its various cultures, its various ways of being are uh, split up? Wait, wait was, that, was that for me or is it for the group? That oh, both, is for both of you. Yeah, both yeah. of you. Okay, so wait... <laughs> You you you're very good at it. Like one more time, because I'm a dumb dumb. Help me understand this one more time. What is you um, so you're okay. A... So so if if uh, <laughs> America gets balkanized, okay, culturally ah. balkanized in the inside, maybe and even you could say, even. well, <laughs> legislatively balkanized, maybe sure. would it still be able to remain a world power when it comes to you know defending policy, other influence, yeah. right? Yeah, and so uh, that's a great also, question, yeah. and that probably ties in what Gio wanted to ask about, like what you, like the future of the security state of for the United States. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good question, and I don't know the answer to be honest. Because look, one of the things, well, that's that's you know interesting to think about is that I think like as it stands today, right, the United States. The part of we ever know we talk about like oh, America, America is such a giant military, military industrial complex. We've got bases all over the world. All this stuff. We have all these alliances. We're biggest you know, defense budget in the world. Yeah. Huge, yeah, by, by a lot. And it's like, okay, and from a military standpoint, we've got our fingers in damn near everything all over the world, right? Okay, but is we kind of put ourselves in this position, and I think we had to at a certain point. But now it's like, what do you do? And the reason I say that is like, I think it's something like thirty-five percent of the Earth, in terms of population, thirty-five percent of humanity, or maybe even more. It's almost forty percent is the United States is obligated to defend by treaty, by treaty, right? Like we've got a, we've got an old, we've got a, some written documents. So we're talking about that's NATO, that's Japan, that's Korea. That's, uh, you know, the, uh, we have a, uh, we actually even have an agreement with uh, OAS, Organization of American States, which is Latin America, right? Like, I, I, you know, like if, if uh, Latin America's were to get invaded by the Russians or something, I don't know. Right. We've got all these treaties and security agreements with like literally, like, I think it's like, like 35, 40 percent of humanity. You probably Google it. And, but it's something like it's something absurd. And the thing was, is that after the Second World War and, you know, we went world into the Cold War. It's like, look, there was a very real threat there. Right. And like I, I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't have been cool with Western Europe and all of Korea and most of Asia being completely communist. I don't I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have liked that. And I don't think a lot of people would have either. And if them holding the upper hand when it came to the rest of the world, right? And so, look, we had to do that. And was it the right decision, like, in hindsight? I don't know. I think it still probably was. But at the time, you got to look at, like, judge history and judge leaders by what they were experiencing at that time, right? There's got to have that context. And it's like, look, we've, we kind of painted ourselves into a corner. But it's like, if we're not going to do it, who the fuck is? China? Like, uh, yeah, that is one. British Empire and, numbers right there. I mean, yeah, it is. It, it, it is. And the thing is, is like, okay, well, is humanity better off for the British Empire? Uh, I would say on balance, yes. Right? The bad things happen, sure. But also it's like, okay, well, what's your alternative? Right? Because like the world globally <laughs> uh, operates in, a, in an anarchist, you know, anarchical 
anarchic, anarchist. The Westphalian you know, like, sort of, yeah. Well, yeah because like, look, there's no higher government authority What's that other term? countries have. There isn't like, and that's something like John Mearsheimer talks about. He's one of my mm. you know, guys I'm a big fan of. And it's like, you know, you can say the United Nations, but the United Nations is bullshit. It's mostly just a forum where people bitch at each other. It's very, has very little enforcing body, very little. And so the thing is, it comes down to where it's like, okay, well, what's your alternative today? We had the Soviet Union, and now we have China. Would you rather have, you know, communists and like not the nice kind, you know, uh, being the global superpower running the show? I don't know about you guys. But look I at those. Uh, but look at all those beautiful videos that are coming out of China. Yeah, where but they show the this tour. But if the well, Chinese took over China, Korea, China. we wouldn't have China. had K-pop though. That's that's a good thing. I mean, right. I mean, imagine yeah. if all the. <laughs> that's what imagine... I mean. We could have let them have Korea, and so we wouldn't have been cursed with K-pop nowadays. <laughs> I don't think K-pop ever would have happened because imagine the entire Korean Peninsula was the DPRK. Good. No, that's, that's amazing. The whole that's that's, that's Gio's point. whole point. <laughs> but 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 anyway, I want I want to go to Pardes on this. Are you a fan of K-pop or do you hate K-pop? Uh, I like K-pop sometimes. Sometimes okay. I think it's annoying because it's used for everything i don't know what's your favorite uh, k-pop they are well what's your favorite k-pop group i don't know specific groups i just know i don't know specific groups but probably actually, bts isn't I like it? it i i i uh when i hear k-pop like if i'm in a like Korean <gasps> restaurant or something <laughs> All right, you you don't have to you dignify know, this question. Let's. You know on. they should have they should have a Korean K-pop group named CRT. That's that's <laughs> oh, going to be the next BTS CRT. I'm telling you. CRT. That's yeah. well, a lot of them do actually support CRT. There's this weird sort of uh, like like K-pop Twitter and Black Twitter like together. I don't know. It's really weird. Um, but anyways, let's move on. So I, I know what you're talking about, and they respond to like every tweet with a yeah thing. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but but what do you think, um, Pardes? What do you the the question of, um, the future of like if if um, in America like if things become like totally balkanized, what what do you think would happen in that sort of environment? Both like in terms of foreign policy, but also in terms of like domestically. Like, do you think that the American security apparatus maybe they'll go on? in some kind of like zombified state, but like domestically America would just like fall apart at the seams. Or do you think that that's unsustainable or, or maybe who knows, maybe something will unite us. Maybe um, another, like, like what did Ronald Reagan say? If aliens came down, then suddenly we'll be united. So I, I, think I don't know. Be, I think we'll, yeah, I think it's we'll true. get along better. <laughs> There'll be more compromise happening uh, when we're more balkanized. And when there is more like of a division between the states. Hmm. That was meant to be. That's how it was designed, you know, you mm. guys. It's the Jefferson, you know? like. Yeah. And then it wasn't until Lincoln that you actually had like a really strong executive, right? You had to do that because, you know, with the Civil War and everything. And then you actually had, instead of really having this, you know, where when people would identify themselves as Georgians or Virginians or New Yorkers and less so about as they look at themselves as Americans. And they used to actually say, you know, like, you know, it sounds cliche, but it's true. Is like they taught when they would say the United States, they say these United States, right? There's a big difference mm-hmm. there. And then it got really serious when in with FDR. Now, granted, these were you know men who were acting in a time of crisis at that time, and it's like really like at that time, really, what was the alternative? And I gotta say, it's like I, I don't know. I I do look at the chats once in a while, guys, and I'm kind of looking here. It's like this guy is insane, 
And I'm kind of like, right, of course it is. And of course they, you know, kill and rape or something like that in the name of democracy <laughs> or something. And it's like, I'd rather not have those things. And it's like, well, part of me is like, okay, well, look, I agree. Like, what, you know, what the United States, have we done some really dastardly things? Yeah, for sure. No doubt, no question. I don't argue this. Are we doing some dastardly things today? Yeah, pretty quietly. A lot of them really quietly, but it's not going to make it any better. But then the thing is, it's like, okay, what is the alternative? So, you know, and, that, and that's the thing where it's like, hey, uh, if I've got two bad options, right? Like, which one's the less bad? And I got to say that the, you know, the Western way of life and I think, and generally speaking, you know, Western society and, you know, I, I think a lot of it is kind of about as good as it's out there, at least of what is feasible and what actually would work. Because, you know, right now, what's your alternative today? What's your alternative? Who's going to dominate things? Because it's like, look, if we all decide to put down our weapons and all get along, the first guy who decides to pick up his weapons, again, he's calling the shots. Definitely. Yeah, but at the same time, I think that is a valid criticism, maybe not as hyperbolic as our chat, but um, the criticism of yeah. the, the the American security state being ex like sort of going through this end stage of empire where they're totally exhausted to the point where these obligations, they may not really benefit America's true Agreed. interests, Agreed. but we sort of carry along because we're America is so invested in like the, you know, the international. Why, do we, why do we have NATO? Why do we have NATO today, guys? Yeah. NATO is a dinosaur. It's 30 years. It, it really hasn't been necessary for about 30 years now. Right now. Why do we really have it? Well, for one, the Europeans like the fact that the United States provides all their security. Yeah, they really do. Also, what is the reason? One of the reasons why we have NATO is it was even said. Well, God, who was the guy that said? I, I, I'm gonna. Put, I don't remember the guy that said, but it was pr pretty, uh, pretty prominent guy at the time. I have to look it up. But it's like the whole purpose of NATO is to keep the Russians out, the Americans in, and the Germans down. Right? <laughs> I mean, really? Because guess what? Like it's people true. are scared shitless of the Germans because all they kept doing, like, you know, the first and second world war wasn't the first time they started invading people. Right. And it was like, that's kind of a big part of their history. And, you know, I'm just being my last name is sour. Okay. You know I mean? Like, I, you know, but my point being is it's like, look, what is the alternative? If somebody has like a really good viable alternative that could actually work, right. Not some pie in the sky libertarian bullshit. Right. Cause there's a lot of folks who are libertarian side, elite libertarian who have ideas that sound really good on paper Right. And but just when it when it when just like the rubber meets the road, it just ain't going to fly. It just, well, there it, are there were some people, let's say, who when Trump got elected later on, they were uh, obviously disappointed. But there were some people who thought that this was going to be an actual strong man who would go in there and he would, you know, disregard. And sure, you could say he did disregard things to a certain extent, but ultimately just disregard, put in as many, you know, kind of like be another FDR in the modern time type of person. And I see a great risk with having somebody like that when it comes to certain things you may like that he does, but other things you may not like, and those things can really bite people in the ass and how much power can one person hold. Uh, but yeah. that goes back to this idea that, uh, forget the libertarians for a second, let's talk about the people more on Geo's neck of the woods. If we're talking about, and sorry, I don't want to put you on the spot, Geo, but as far as like, how would you describe the ideal figure uh, that you would seek to set things right? What do you see as the way forward? Well, I mean, the ideal figure, I mean, we both, uh, 
Well, the difference being is that my ideal figure is Northern Italian and I'm half Central and Southern oh. Italian. So <laughs> if you don't know who I'm talking about. Um, no, I mean, I, I think like there really is, it's, it's a question of like ideal figures. I mean, I think the problem is in general, um, the, the obsession with an ideal figure on the political right, whether it's conservatives that have somewhat of this, uh, especially under Trump, or whether it's like just people in the distant right that basically do want like a Mussolini figure to come and, or, or more like a Caesar Augustus. That's probably a good analogy to the sort of current um, order that we're facing. But I think that the problem is that is, there can never be like a moment, like a, like a single like political movement that's going to do this. I mean, in some ways... No, but what if there was, would it work? That's ultimately what we're trying to get Well, all bets are off. I mean, not to say it's going to happen because we already do have a political class that doesn't care about what the American people... And nor, nor in some ways, I hate to say it, but nor should they care about the American people. No, I'm not saying that. What I mean is that in an ideal system, you would have um, a sort of aristocracy that would have the people's interests in mind, but you you would still have a bit of a leeway. What we have now is probably the worst of all forms of governance. We have the worst form of democracy and we have the worst form of autocracy uh, in the same basket. And I would say Canada, where I'm from, is somewhat worse because our political class is even more entrenched and even more together and than even in America. In America, you still have like somewhat dissident candidates in the major parties that could potentially like torpedo any sort of grand mm. plan that the neoliberals have. I think DeSantis would be, I mean, a good figure, someone that probably could take up the mantle from Trump. But the problem is after Trump, you have in the Republican party, you have like all of the, you know, neocons uh, that, you know, took that opportunity to seize power. By the way, speaking of neocons, I'm tapping my foot on the ground. Guess who died recently? Oh boy. <laughs> well i want to get into that as well there, donald <laughs> i, wa- I want to get into I that i got something to say about that oh yeah, yes. yeah. Keep going. No, go ahead <laughs> donald rumsfeld <laughs> just died recently at the the ripe old age of 88 years old from heart failure i mean he couldn't have been you know speaking of mussolini and what happened to him i mean if I had to change places in history with what happened to Mussolini, what happened to Rum, never mind, never mind. I'm not going to Fed post, but um, well, um, before before Tom answers, I do want to get Pardes's opinion yeah, on yeah, her yeah, ideal yeah. political uh, structure. Would it be a strong man? Would it be a strong woman? Would it be uh, a girl boss? Sus- a girl boss, yeah, with the high heels that she could just like poke and you know cause well, extreme we have Kamala. pain. Kamala, I mean, isn't Kamala kind of going to be that? Uh... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what, what's your ideal, Pardes? It'd be me. I'd be the president, and I'd I, obviously I'd wear heels that are like really pokey in the bottom. And like anytime someone is rude or <laughs> not listening, I'll just poke them with my heel. Like the bottom will be sharp, so they'll just die. And it'll, actually, it'll be a dictatorship. And. Uh, yeah, there will be like mandatory uh, lipstick everywhere. Um, it'll be run by a bunch of, you know, like. <laughs> you know, you know what you'd like, Pardes. You'd love my friend Bimbo Uermensch on Twitter. Follow Lev. Put in the chat mm-hmm. the at. Uh, I was just talking to her today. 
She has this brilliant interview. Yeah, you, yeah. Follow Bimbo Ubermensch. You two would get along swimmingly. She's a legit model, but she's brilliant. She had this and, interview, and, and, and she says hi. By the way, Bimbo Ubermensch. I invited her on the stream. Unfortunately, she couldn't make yeah, it. Yeah, she today. was cooking for her husband. Yes, um, but 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 she also says that Pardes seems lovely. So yeah, just like, oh, thank you. But she thank had you. this uh, this interview with the yeah with another podcast. Um, our good friends, the Fed Post podcast. It's called um, the the Bimbo State, and she has this brilliant idea. She said if she was the queen dictator, that she would have um, various state subsidies for beautification of the body. She'd have uh, subsidies for fresh food, gyms, <laughs> beauty products, kind of like what Gaddafi did. Well, you know, boob, boob jobs are already covered by Medicare, so. Well, there you go. What? Yeah. I mean, yeah. As long as it's for a dude. How, how oh, no! no! Well, you can pretend you're a male lesbian and maybe that'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has to be for a sex change. But oh, no, never mind. <laughs> never mind, baby. It's a funny joke. No, it's okay, baby. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, by the way, Tom Sauer, uh, Sig Sauer versus Glock, go. Glock, sorry. Oh, no, no, yeah, wrong thing, answer. I don't like the balance. I like, I prefer the balance of the Glock. Uh, mm. So, like, when I was, so, the, when I was in the Navy, when we, when we did, like, uh, the Navy Special Operations guys, like us and the SEALs, typically rolled with SIGs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. PT-7. And then when I did a gig with Army Special Forces, uh, they had Glock 19s, the 9 mil standard Glock 19. But then they switched later to Glock 22s, the 40 cal, which is a little more stopping power. Um, mm. I just preferred the Glock. I just did. I, I just personally I like the balance weight because I always felt the SIGs were a little too top heavy and mm, I, harder, yeah. harder required. Just my that's my opinion. A lot of guys, you know, it's a big debate. But yeah, hey, one of the things I want to mention is what's interesting is talking about Rumsfeld's death. So like. I obviously, like many people, were like, man, this guy, like a little bit of insight, kind of deeper, right? And so, you know, in, in t today, he's pretty much always remembered and will always be remembered. That's his legacy. The All the shortcomings and the failures of the Iraq War, right? In its initiation and in its execution, yeah. right? And like, obviously, like there are a lot, a lot, a lot of bad things that happened there. And I do feel that he, despite all that being true, and I don't disagree with any of that, I feel like he's kind of unfairly demonized. And here's a couple reasons why. And, yeah, oh, the there way, was other people. Yeah. I, I, I actually, you know, like I met the guy a couple of times when I was like, kind of fun. When I was living in DC. I decided. Oh my God. Know, I, yeah. I had lunch with him. Like just one-on-one. -on -one. Did it's you smell crazy. sulfur at all? No, no, no. This is back in, this was in 2018. So yeah, not too long ago. Um, I, I decided like one thing is kind of helpful. Like, I had some money and it was kind of like helpful trying to get into business and, and, and like to meet folks for business. Really. I joined the university club of DC. It's like a couple blocks from the white house. It was nice. I liked it. And he was a member, always had been a member, but he was living, I was living in Wyoming, probably with Dick Cheney or something. I have no idea, but he was, he was out of town, but he came to, he had his little foundation and he was sitting there alone. I'm just like, everyone tells us to be friendly here. I'm like, Hey sir, uh, do you mind if I meet you used to be my boss's 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 boss. Right. And so, uh, but one of the things I actually read his book, one of his books, you know, no unknowns knowns, and it's mm. mostly his biography. Yeah. But I will say that despite all of those things, uh, in recent years, basically from about you know from around 2001 to really today, you know, he or till he died, really, he's just totally demonized, defined by that. And those are valid criticisms. I'm not going to deny that. But if you look into his like past, because also not only was he, he was one of the most interesting 
and wildly successful people in so many different things. He was a chairman of the board for, um, no, it wasn't Procter & Gamble. Uh, it was the other one. Uh, I, I can't remember, a couple of big corporations, Chicago. He was, you know, very successful businessman. He was also a, uh, you know, the guy went to Princeton, top of his class, was captain of the wrestling team. So he could kick Look at how much too. of a Chad he is, by the way. Look at this image right? here. Super fucking Chad, right? He actually went to the Olympic trials, right? Wow, that is a Chad image. That is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's the deal. Like, and also I'd say that it was like the guy went to the Olympic trials or was getting ready to go to the Olympic trials and during a wrestling match, he had, his arm was broken. And then that was like, okay, fucking wrestling career's over. We then went on to become a Navy pilot, right? Was living in Coronado, you know, flew for the Navy for a little bit, you know, small career, then went to the reserves. Then he ran for Congress. He's a congressman like in his like late 20s, went to business, all this stuff. And here's something that's really interesting. So I got um, one of my very close friends who's still in the Navy today when he, uh, he's the second in command of a ship in San Diego, but he did a tour at the Pentagon and he was on the secretary of the Navy staff where he worked with a lot of like longtime defense officials, right? The assistant deputy undersecretary for defense and all those folks you know, in the E-ring, right? Which are like all the, the big higher up civilian muckety mucks that like stay with every administration, right? And a lot of these folks were not political appointees. So they kind of keep their job through every president. And what's really interesting was that he's, he is my buddy. He told me on multiple occasions, somebody would like throw a snide remark about Rumsfeld and all of the Obama appointees and all of the Clinton appointees from years, years before told him to shut the fuck up. I was like, Oh, Whoa, really? They defend arms. They're like, look, say what you want about him. He was the best boss we ever worked for, ever. Now, I'm not disputing anything to his policy. I'm not like that. I'm not arguing that stuff. But I mean, he was the guy. It's kind of funny. Like, like, hey, Lev, are you in a stand? Are you in a stand-up desk right now? I am. Yeah. How did you? Yeah, know? he popularized that. He made that. I can just kind of tell by where you're standing and where Whoa. you're walking around. Yeah, he popularized the stand-up desk. He actually made it. He had a stand-up desk his entire life, right? Wow. Like, he had, when nobody else had a stand-up. I know it sounds weird. And he always write his little memos and all that stuff. And he was like a big time thinker, right? I mean, he was, he was pretty smart. And he was also, everyone always said, and I read his book. I actually has a great book actually that he wrote a while ago after retirement called Rumsfeld's Rules. And it's like rules for life, right? As like business. Yeah, it's, it's, it's geared towards like a young person who's like in college or starting their career. Like a, a Jordan Peterson were, type book. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> but, but a lot more snippets. And one of the things he like learned, the stuff that I've like, I've learned myself, and I've applied, I encourage other people where it's like, like, uh, like taking an internship, right? Whenever you get a position, a chance, and this is for somebody, if you're work, trying to work your way in a corporation or the military, whatever. I remember this one that stuck with me is if you, if you ever get a position, no matter how small and meager this position is, but you're working near the top, near the front office, you take that job, you take that job, right? Even if it means you're fetching coffee for the CEO or you're picking up their dry cleaning Right. You're like you're the Jon Snow. Right. You know what I mean? Like you're 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 the guy who's doing like that. Actually, like that sort of thing kind of matter. I was like, oh, that's actually pretty smart because you're going to expose how the big decisions get made. And this is in any organization. Right. You, you get exposed to big. And hey, if you do a good job, maybe you'll get noticed. And maybe you're somebody's going to write a letter of recommendation for you for another job. Or maybe you'll get pulled for that position. I, I, I think that kind of thing was smart. That was just one example. But like I was so surprised how these like Democrat appointed big time liberal, Obama loving, Trump hating defense officials who have been in the industry for a long time, immediately, very quickly, and like violently, not violently, but you know, like, like very harshly defended Donald Rumsfeld, because they're like, he was the best boss I've ever worked for. 
And oh, by the way, it's worth pointing out, and you guys love this, is like, you want to put your conspiracy hat on. You remember, like, what, two or three days before 9 11? Yeah. You know what happened? I had that big comment where, like, hey, there's like trillions of dollars missing from the defense budget or something. Oh, like, yeah. For. I think, yeah. Well, I was a bit like, young to recall that. But, yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah. I bet you guys could probably look that up. I'm sure I'm getting a ton of hate in the comments. I don't care. There, there was a few weird but, things happening that summer before 9 11 as right. well. Right. Yeah. You know, like, I, whether it's a conspiracy or coincidence, whatever. But the thing is, is though, like, the whole plan of the Bush administration, at least at the outset, at least for Rumsfeld, was like, <laughs> hey, we're going to, like, create some, like, you know, create a little bit of um you know you know like we're here to like you know clean up some things around here and it's like remember he announced they can probably find it there's not even like a press conference it was either on like september like 9th or 10th or something like that of, 20, of 2001 and it was like yeah he was saying like there's i guess like a trillion a couple trillion dollars missing unaccounted for in the feds like where's this money going what's going on right to like clean things up and then 9-11 happened and, uh, whatever so it's really good for the 9-11 troopers to, to live on that one well, that's... I don't think that he was as much of a devil as people think he was. I think he was a, somebody who was put in a very difficult position and at that time had to make really, really, really tough decisions that not a lot of people like. And even if it cost him his reputation, he was willing to do it, even if it's the wrong decision. Right. That's kind of one thing to think of, because guess what? A lot of the people who chat, who make all these comments. Right. And I'm not saying these people in the chat, but on Twitter in general. Right. All those folks who love to sharpshoot other people, you haven't done a fucking thing. Haven't been in charge of people, right? Haven't been in charge of an organization, right? Had to make a tough decision, right? And some of these guys do, right? Like you say, oh, yeah, you can, and, and guess what? And guess what? You're going to be judged and, you know, you're going to live and die by it. And he did. So, like, does that mean that I agree with a lot of the decisions he made during the Iraq war? No, not at all. But that doesn't but, mean he's, like, the worst person in the world. But I think that... I mean, this is, this it is, is kind, kind of... A... of this is kind of a goof, by the way. I, and I do the understand about what you're saying. one incinerating millions of people. I mean, I think that the, the problem is the American war machine was like so diffuse at that time that, yeah. I mean, who can you, I mean, not to excuse his role, but sure. it is like an incredible machine that really can't. Yeah. Um, it's bigger than one man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know what, what to do here. No, but is um, this is this the kind of thing where we can, let's say, put the blame on some particular I, I tend people to think the or two group or no mistake, though. or is this a, problem, like that's... because i think in, ge in general people are always looking like who do we blame who do we who do we put in as the scapegoat and you could maybe yeah. see that uh rummy would have been the scapegoat uh, for a lot of people today uh, yeah but cheney passed. was pulling the strings let's face it well cheney he was, was pulling the chains lincoln destroyed atlanta put it that way abraham yeah. lincoln destroyed it well, yeah. it was General Sherman that did it, but it was—I mean, it was Abraham Lincoln, right? Yeah. He destroyed Atlanta. He locked one, up journalists. One thing right? I would he did say, all sorts of bad things, right? And like, hey, was that the right decision? I mean, history judged him, but like, you could say from a constitutional standpoint, he very much violated the Constitution, oh, big yeah. time. Definitely. But does that mean that, like, hey, at the end of the day, like, hey, what happened? We preserved the Union. We abolished a horrible practice. Okay, like maybe that was good, maybe it wasn't. But like, and also, by the way, like by today's standards, Abraham Lincoln was a horrible fucking racist. Read the fucking Jefferson Davis, you know, the, uh, not Jefferson, but the uh, Lincoln Douglas debates. Yeah. Oh my God. He didn't right? believe so, that they should have personhood pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyways, okay. I've been ranting a lot. But no, but like I wanted to get, like, um, yeah. I wanted to get, uh, well, Lev, um, but well, I, part, I also wanted to ask Pardes. Yeah. About, part, uh, I wanted to get Pardes to maybe take the Rumsfeld pill, but yeah. one thing I will say before we move on is, um, well, no, first, uh, do you think Pardes, uh, do you think that Rumsfeld is a Chad? Like, would he be somebody that you would have gone out with? 
Love, why do you ask women the personal questions on BTR? No, don't answer that. Ask serious. Per- <laughs> you know what I mean, love? Come on. It's not fair. It's not. <laughs> no, I, I generally want to know, like, being somebody who can take charge, who has a standing desk. Is this somebody who you would say, you know, keep in mind, Richard Spencer also had a standing desk. Does this mean that? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> oh, got to make you think, right? <laughs> I know. I, I am curious, though. Like, what is your opinion in general of Rumsfeld? I don't know so much about him, to be honest. But you saw Those that photo, don't. right? Uh, the, young, the young Rumsfeld. Uh, Wait, yeah. he's getting shot. So that's what I mean. Like, would he be somebody who, if you were, I actually had art. I'm sorry to ask. Are, are you single, by the way? Oh my God, Lev, stop. stop. Okay, okay. No, no, don't answer it. But are you though? I mean, oh, never mind. Don't answer. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Complicated. <laughs> Just answer Lev's question. Yeah. He's dying to know. He's dying to know. Um, yeah. the short answer is yes. There we go. There you go, That's Lev. All Are I you happy? Yeah, Are you I'm, happy now? I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic. It's because Lev is destroying my role on BTR. Usually I'm the one that's <laughs> But um, before, the part is I wanted to ask you about just, um, like, I wanted to go back to the, because you're in real estate. <laughs> but I, I was, okay, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. So, um, oh, God. Um, one thing I will say about Rumsfeld, and this isn't my point. This is, um. I don't know if you've ever uh, if you've ever seen the one clip from uh, Savoy Zizek where he was describing Rumsfeld. He said that Rumsfeld had the most um, serious philosophic insight into the um, into the like sort of American spirit that ever was, which is you know the whole line about what is a known known an unknown unknown and an unknown unknown. Yeah. It's sort of like embedded within Americana itself to sort of like ever since like the um what was it called the turner thesis like the closing the frontier it's like america they're compelled by the unknown and i have to look up the clip again but zizek i think it was in uh one of his interviews but he also talks about it in um it was either the parallax uh book or it was uh no the one he wrote before the one he wrote like right after the iraq war was announced um, what was it called? It wasn't Sublime Object. It was like one of the other ones. But um, basically, yeah, Rumsfeld, he captured in that phrase alone, like the sort of spirit of where the American century was heading and where it still continues to head. And so it's very it's very rare that you have a military leader who can um, sum up the legacy of their own particular uh, regime. I mean, Cicero comes to mind, certainly Julius Caesar, certainly in some respects, uh, Alexander and Genghis Khan. There's very few military leaders that can have a, a, an insight into what their legacy is going to be. So, yeah, um, that, that was a very pretentious rant. Um, but, but getting back to like the business, we were talking about BlackRock. Um, I wanted oh, yeah. to ask you, uh, like, part part as, do you think that... Um, do you think like like the the whole like uh, charge that they're buying up the housing market and that they're basically making it impossible for younger families to even sustain themselves or buy homes? Like, what do you think of the whole general situation? Like, I know in Canada, how the housing is just incredibly ridiculous and it's a huge bubble and it's probably being manipulated by Chinese business people. And uh, like, just 
it's insane it's unsustainable and it's a bubble so at least that's my uh i think the thing that's unsustainable and a bubble is our academic system that teaches you to be an employee and doesn't teach you to uh how to basically use the system to your advantage like you can Mm. own a house now you can own a house with very little money right now as a young person and it's it's not that hard and um People make you think that it is because they make you your parents, your te- your professors. They make you think you need to live in a big city, be part of a big corporate uh, system, work for work as an employee, nine to five job, um, and be in like you know the way that live the way that they want you to live. But there's so many other ways to live. You can own a house. There's just like um, you can own a business. You can own a business. Like they just don't teach you how to do that because all they teach you is critical race theory and how to be a good nine to five employee uh, at a big company (laughs) in in New York City or DC or or Chicago. But like, yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll even go one further, right? I went to a fancy pants business school, right? So part is you went to UCLA for undergrad. And I went to UCLA Hopkins for, business for business school. school also. Yeah, to Hopkins for business school, right? Okay, so I don't know if they might have taught you this at Hopkins, uh, but when I was at Anderson at the you know the fan, you know, UCLA business school, is they even had like entrepreneurship classes and how to do this, how to do this. And guess what they all came up with? What they all said? And this is like at the time I was like, okay, this is it. Because I was a military guy, I, I knew fuck all about business really. And it was like, okay, what they always talked about was, well, if you want to do this, you have to get all this capital. You have to go talk to these like big venture capital, private equity. For, you have to stay within the system, right? Because these private equity guys are not out to make you rich, right? And it's like, no, 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 you can actually do it on debt financing, on a loan, right? So, you know, part is you sell houses, obviously coordinate with lenders, right? So, I mean, like, there's tons of great lending opportunities. And I bought, you know, I bought a, a you know, mid-sized, you know, a small business, which is about to become a mid-sized business on with like very little cash, a couple of small investors and a loan, right? And then I, we grew it, did all these great things. It's fine. I didn't have to go to like the big private equity firms and get all this money and all because they want you to stay within that system. And that's like the craziest idea they think. Like nobody actually really teaches you at that small level how to buy a business, how to sell a business, right? Like they don't talk about that shit. They talk about like, you know, being a good employee, moving up to the C-suite one day if you get the chance or further if you go to, you know, or maybe if you want to start your own business, you get a bunch of them, a bunch of other rich people together right bunch of their fellow friends and you get their money and they control everything and you do all the work and maybe if you're lucky you get a little piece yeah right? so yeah same story like they don't really teach you how to kind of go out on your own yeah you know? and I, you know I, I got lucky i got a couple investors who you know helped out with some things but i mean at the end of the day i mean i borrowed most of it and yeah and you're able to do it successfully so they don't talk about that nobody even talks about the small business administration crazy so anyways, yeah, that's, that's, you're absolutely right. You're totally indoctrinated into being a employee or otherwise a, a servant. And part S, how would you personally think we can break out of that paradigm of being the employee and the servant? Would you have faith in, let's say, more uh, decentralized kind of education platforms? And would you personally be interested in being a uh, teacher in the future, like somebody who can uh, pass on what you know to somebody else? Like, do you think that there's going to be a new decentralized model for something like that? Yeah, I'm always t- uh, telling my friends about what I know. And I think that people should stop going to college. 
and start just going out, trying to learn on your own, finding, finding mentors. Uh, An internship. There you go. Yeah, internship. There's one too. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, speaking of internship, uh, I mean, speaking of going out on your own and pursuing your dreams and all that kind of stuff, we're going to have somebody who lives by that model on Tuesday, August 24th. I just got the email response right now from him. You know who we're going to have Tuesday, August 24th? Hotep Jesus. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's wow. going to be yeah, that's nice. going to be a big, fun one. It's a big, uh, big catch. Good for you. It's a big fish. Absolutely. And uh, guy, when it's co- yeah, got some wisdom. I don't agree he, with a lot of what he says, but it's like he has a lot of things. He says. I'm like, yeah, dude's got a point. Like Absolutely. It. But also yeah. the thing that I'm interested in with Hotep Jesus, and I'm also interested in, uh, you know, in general is the power of one's thoughts to, you know, make the impossible possible. And for yourself, Pardes, do you find that playing a role in your life when it comes to getting to where you are right now? How much willpower did it personally take to get away from the DC machine or how much was it just certain things that happened to start working in your favor? And you were like, how, how did this happen? Why am I here all of a sudden? Like, do you find yourself at the control of the wheel or do you find something else controlling it for you? And you just ended up ending up being where you are right now. It's like, how did I get here? Yeah, I, I, uh, definitely feel in control of the wheel. Like coming here was definitely in my control. Uh, yeah, I feel I feel in control. Like I don't feel like the the people that supported this idea were very valuable. Uh, I didn't wait to hear what anybody had to say. I don't know. Um, I think like if everybody was doing it, everybody would be successful. But everybody is not doing it. So uh, you just gotta find like those few people that are doing that are where you want to be and ask those people for advice and just, just forget about everybody else. I, I actually have a follow-up to that one part is, and so you and I have spoken about this personally offline. So if you don't feel comfortable talking about it. You can dodge it. No problem. But also it's like, I've noticed that like, especially in the vein of like breaking rules and whatnot, right? Oh, like, he said it. correct me if I'm wrong. Like you've, you know, you've parted away from, a lot of what your community, your family, your community does, and, and not in a really bad or like rebellious way, but you know, like you, you grew up in a super traditional, you know, Orthodox family and, you know, it's, um, and, and kind of, you know, didn't, didn't, you didn't follow the rules I'd say in your own family. Obviously I know you still have support from them. They love you. You love them. And you guys, you know, seem to get along and whatnot. But, um, you know, I mean, I was very proud of the fact that we hosted Pardes at Nana in our house here for her very first Christmas. Just had Christmas. We had a Christmas tree and had presents and nice dinner. Nice. It was fun. Okay. It was cool. But, like, also, like, how has that affect? I'm curious about Pardes, how that's affected you with, like, you know, you've kind of broken the mold, I'd say, from most of, you, like, your siblings and cousins and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's gotten me, I feel closer with them because I feel more kind of more like a person because I'm like doing things I want to do and I respect myself more. So I feel more like an adult. I think it's part of just growing up. It's like finding yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Didn't want to get too personal there. So yeah, no, I get it. No, that's right. No, right on. So, yeah. but, in ter- but in terms of your family history, like if we go back, you, uh, your family's originally from Iran and yeah. they're uh, Sephard- Sephardic Jewish, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, there, there is 
I don't really know that many Sephardic Jews. I know that there's a big Sephardic Jewish community in the uh, northern part of Brooklyn, like where they have all the nice houses over there. And uh, in general, like how many generations does your family go back? Like that was since uh, like after the thing that happened in Spain, after the Jewish uh, people were kicked out of there, then they went to the Middle East. Like was that? They weren't kicked out. They they chose to leave. Love. That's oh god, Gia. Don't you start. Don't listen. you start. Damn it. Don't you they start. They chose to leave. Okay. Don't love. you start. They chose to leave. Don't tell me lies. Don't tell anti-Mediterranean lies, love. I will not have your Talmud. You're tricks. Italian. You're Italian and not <laughs> Spanish. You're Italian and not Spanish. You, you, I know, I know, but us meds have to stick together. No, Anyways, no, go, no, they go. don't because the here's the thing. And Pardes, you know this yeah, well Italians enough. Yeah, Italians and Spaniards don't really get along. That's not only true. that, but you know that's who true. does get along? Italians and the Jews. The Italians and the Jews are well, match made in heaven. I don't know. I yes, mean, yes, yes. There you know is that one. You know this Venice, to be true. You know this. To, forget, forget Venice. Forget Venice. So, <laughs> so anyway, par, Pardes. Um, when it comes oh, to certain familial traditions, do you still uh, stick with any of them, or have they all just not really, like, other than just, like, holidays and things like that, it's not really that much of a thing for you today, right? Or is it? Um, there are some things that I still do, like, I don't know. <laughs> I have to think about it. Um, you know, like, praying after the bathroom. It's not like, you know, praying, it's more, you know, it is just, it's just like a habit. I've been always doing it. And I, and it's, it's not like, a, it's, it's a good habit that I've chosen to keep. Like, I kind of like it. Um, just, I like to, I care a lot about my health. So I like to kind of appreciate it when I come out of the bathroom. <laughs> that is important. I mean, Gio, I think you and uh, Pardes can definitely agree that prayer does have a certain uh, amount of power that you are in communication with, I don't know. I mean, again, my whole thing is there are all these planets and galaxies and shit out there that I think that there's other experiences people are having on those planets, too. I wouldn't necessarily say that this is the only planet and everything. So, around love, you're Mormon, then. Is that what you're saying? I, I think Mormonism is the closest one that I could actually find. Oh, God. But see, even there, though, even there, though, like they put Joseph Smith and Jesus Christ as being like the and Adam actually like the one thing I really dig about Mormons is that they don't forget Adam like Adam is still you know within there you know and it seems like with the rest of Christendom it's like yeah there was Adam he was the first man let's move on and it's like they kind of focus more on Adam and the other group of people that focuses on Adam is the Kabbalists so with mystic Judaism you have Adam Kadman which is this idea of like the prototypical human being which is also a part of God, which was split up into all these different, um, uh, it's like, I think it's called the shattering of the vessels, or shattering of the vessel, where it was split up into all these different shards, and it's a metaphor for kind of like our consciousness being split up into different ego, you know, uh, bodies, you know Are what I mean? I have to run. Um, See, I knew it was going to be the metaphysical shit that would scare scare off. Yeah, I actually have to go soon too, love, so that's... No, 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 it's not the metaphysical shit, but I, ha I have to go, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed being on with you guys. I really enjoyed having you. you on this well part S and we are going to be concluding this with, uh, with Tom right now, but guys, everybody follow Pardes Sela. If you have not been following her before, she is a wonderful, uh, how would you describe it? YouTuber, real estate agent, yeah. uh, the full All package, the all of the above. Mm -hmm. And I am going to show Pardis's Twitter over here. Please follow her. And also, I am going to show Pardis's 
YouTube right now. Let me just type that in. Pardis, you are a wonderful person. You are somebody who I believe is uh, doing the right thing. You are giving a good example to everybody else of, uh, you know, not being stuck in this DC or New York or whatever machinery going off and uh, pursuing your passion, being able to communicate with people while you're doing that. Here is your YouTube channel. Please, once again, everybody follow Pardes, give her all the best and also give a prayer, not just to Pardes, but to everybody who wants to get out of whatever paradigm they happen to be stuck in so they can pursue what they want to pursue just like Pardes is because we all need that extra lift up and uh, I am going to do that tonight I'm going to pray for everybody I usually don't say this in public but uh, fuck it why not you know <laughs> thank you so much you're welcome so much thank Pardes take care <laughs> so, Bye. so so thank you so much and uh, guys, we are going to be concluding this pretty soon. I just want to do a quick shout out to this, uh, not Discord, to Patreon. Because as you know, we got a new patron today. And what you have to do is you have to become a patron too. Patreon.com slash break the rules. I am not yet sure if I'm going to be giving away this definitely legit magnet because we did have a new magnet $20 patron sign up. But just look at this one over here. This is definitely legit. Bark, bark, bark. I'm definitely legit, everybody. I may be going soon. So if you want me, become a patron today and uh, patreon.com slash break the rules. Bark, bark, bark. And make sure to say in the message, make sure to write a message saying, I want the definitely legit magnet. Bark, bark, bark. There we go. So that was, oh that may be the last time you're going to hear me doing that ridiculous fucking definitely legit impression. So if you don't want me to do that impression anymore, you better become a patron or I may do it again. And maybe I'm going to keep doing it until one of you people becomes a patron and gets definitely legit off my hands. So anyway, and it's probably going to go like, I'm not sure I'm going to message that person asking, do you want the definitely legit magnet or do you want the random magnet? So we'll see what happens, but that's for $20. $5 is going to give you access to the super secret parts of the discord to MP3 files of the episodes uh, after they come out before everybody else gets them, you know, audio only versions. You are also on top of that going to get Patreon-only exclusive episodes that you would get to take part in as well. This is what we do. We bring the patrons into the Patreon-only episodes so they can take part in those. And on uh, the $30 tier, uh, we already talked about the $20. $30 gives you a beautiful print from Gio Penichetti. Look at him go. And Gio, we got a new $30 patron as well, as you know, mm. and a $50 patron. So you're oh, going to be wow. busy. You're going to be busy sending things out. And uh, oh, yeah. there we go. <laughs> Cyber Ninja Zero says this is a extortion shut up and for fifty dollars well, maybe uh, it's kind of i don't know yeah, for fifty dollars for fifty dollars you are going to get all of the above plus uh you're going to get a beautiful painting from geo you're going to get a beautiful uh figure from the warhammer 40k series from jules you are going to get another custom magnet from my father alexander polyakov whatever design you want i mean within reason and uh you are also going to get a uh if you want to you got to request this a custom printout of any of the thumbnails that my father uh created so there we go that is what you get and there's going to be a lot more things coming in oh and one more thing uh let's see okay i'm not gonna mention it right now but anyway hotep jesus i already said that we have a lot of great guests coming up and uh tom sower what is going to be up for you within the next weeks within the next month what do you have planned my friend 
Uh, I, I'm going, uh, I actually, I'm going to be, uh, in, well, actually, I don't think I exactly where, but, uh, for a bachelor party for, uh, my good buddy, uh, Will Chamberlain. So it's myself oh. and, uh, Jack Pasovic are planning it. So it's, uh, my, yeah, me, Jack, Will, and a couple other, uh, friends of Will's, a couple from back home and whatnot. And yeah, it should be, it'll be fun. Uh, we'll be, actually, I can't say so. Yeah, we'll be in Vegas. Of course, so Will used to be, you know, of course, in Vegas, it's super basic. And first, we were kind of like, eh, Vegas, it's kind of eh. But uh, Will was actually a professional poker player back in the day before, you know, he's doing stuff. So we actually, like, he's into Vegas, so it's fun. Even though none of us are real big partiers, at least not anymore. Uh, so that'll be fun. So <laughs> we're going to see, uh, yeah, I was able to score tickets. We'll do Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle on Friday night. And nice. Then wow. Yeah, uh, next Friday. And then the following night, is um the mcgregor fight mcgregor for your fight so mm. it's not easy to score those tickets so it's cool we got good seats too so that'll be fun i'm looking forward to that that'll be cool so be big. and uh yeah i'll be i don't know how but like jack is, a, is like best man supposed to plan it somehow i all got pawned off on me whatever that's fine we had a good time it'll be fun uh, so i got that coming up this weekend and then my brother, my my uh my little brother who's stationed in bahrain he's an eod guy like i used to be He's coming home, him and his wife and kids coming home for a few weeks. Uh, it'll be in Virginia Beach, so I'm going out there. And um, I do think it was funny because I do catch up on the comments. And I'm just kind of like, you know, hey, you're right. Was he this war criminal and all those terrible things? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess so, depending on, on your definition. Did he do a lot of bad things? Yeah. In that moment, I mean, it's really easy to blame him. That's all that. But the thing is, it's like, hey, you know, some people actually, like, there's something to learn from some people, right, a lot of the time. So... You know, well, it's, it it's it's more of a question for me of do people have enough skin in the game, as Nassim uh, Talib uh, terms it. That's the big oh, one right there. Because that's if a people, really good, yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. I, I would like to see. That's something I say. Like I like Michael Malice. I'm a huge fan of. Um, I wish I got to speak to him more often. But is he? You know, talks about like it'd really be nice to see some of our public officials, right, face like specific personal consequences for their actions. I'm not saying they need to be like. You know, killed or thrown in jail or like that but like to see real skin in the game you'd see that because really for so many people whether this is a corporate ceo whether this is members of congress whatever some of the decisions they make have catastrophic consequences if we're done either negligently or maliciously then it's like okay what's the worst thing happens like you know you still get to retire and you get a nice pension or you got your money and everything's Golden fine parachute like, yeah yeah but at the same time though that the, the counter argument of that is is like, look, when a lot of these big CEOs and board members and stuff are part of these huge organizations, right? Like, if you don't offer massive incentive to these folks, they're not going to take the job. They're just not, right? I mean, they're not. Like, that's why they have that. That's why they get paid a shit ton of money, you know? So that's kind of it, you know? If, if, you know, the CEO of a company got paid the same as the line worker or, you know, a little bit more that i mean that's just kind of like a general capitalism thing then like who are you going to have to do that? well they, they could be paid a lot they could be paid a lot but then there could be certain big prices to be paid if certain things are done but the problem today is that there may be like a thousand things that are completely legal that you yeah. wouldn't put people in jail for that yeah. if we look at it very closely we could say hey maybe all these things are leading to a lot of problems for a lot of people how do we solve that because that just seems to be such a complicated thing i mean no wonder people want to kind of throw you know throw over the the chess pieces and say we're going to just get a strong man in because again like going back to what geo said yeah, if they're 
Yes. Well, if there is, I know, Gio, you're not a big fan of Pinochetti, uh, because different reasons that normal people would not be big fans of him. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I get it. No, no, but I, I, but I want to focus on this because I think this is very important. Like, Gio, the, per, the person, like, the ideal thing that you want to have happen, what is it? Let's just, like, well, lay it out on the table. I don't have an ideal thing. That's the problem. I mean, it's getting too... It's, I'm, I don't know. My mind is wandering. I don't really have... Um, an ideal system. There is no ideal system because no, but, by default, there. Okay. I believe that um, this earth is not meant to achieve any sort of paradise. So, I don't know. Okay, well then that's a that's a whole other ball game then. But okay, my else yeah. Out there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, no, if, go if, go if go. I may real quick. Yeah. Is okay. So one of the things you usually see quite often, and this is me going full Jordan Peterson on things, right? Is like, before you try, you know, set your own, your, your own house in order before you try to change the world. Right. That's something that I've like really tried to focus on. And even though like I'm somebody who I guess like just kind of friends are involved in media and politics, I, you know, I'm doing stuff on Twitter, you know, I was on a talk show, you know, I was on Seb Gorka's show earlier this afternoon, like whatever, but like, I don't get paid for this. You know, this is something kind of sort of like kind of a hobby. I love coming on shows, talking to you guys, like guys like you, it's something I enjoy. Right. Thank but you. the thing is though, is that, I, I, the thing is that when I see all these folks who are like so, like, like so uh, loud, screaming, angry people talking about how the whole world is fucked up, and hey, look, they could be right. Okay, I'm, I should, I think, I'm sure, quite often they have a point. This is the way we do things, right? But it's like set your own house in order. Usually, the people that are screaming the biggest critics haven't done shit themselves. I, I just, I, you know, I, I know it sounds awful, but it's like, how's your program working out? So it's one of those things where it's like, I try to focus a little bit more on like, hey, what am I doing to set my own house or with my own, like my own mind, my own body, like creating, like, you know, creating like what's good for me and my family and the people that are close to me. Right. And like, okay, once I set this in order, then I can say, okay, what about something outside of my community? Right. If that's doing well, okay, maybe there's a chance for me to do something a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. But usually the biggest, the people who are calling the biggest critic calling for this massive change, everything's got to stay, you do everything, haven't accomplished a fucking thing in their lives. Or yet to. Maybe they're too young. They're too idealistic. I don't know. And it's like, well, you know, like think... that's kind of one of the general things out there. And, and it's like, look, and, that, and, and this is just one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I, I'm usually very careful about like criticizing, you know, this is getting Jordan Peterson about it, criticizing institutions, right? When it's like, you don't really know, you're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, that kind of thing. Like, it doesn't mean there's doesn't need to be changed. doesn't mean it's not fucked up. doesn't mean there's not things that need to happen. But it's also, it's like, I usually look at, usually the folks who are the big, the loudest screaming, like, haven't really accomplished anything themselves. It just is, I, you know. I don't know. I think That's why I disregard them. I don't listen to them. Well, you know, you know who you should speak with? I think it would be an amazing podcast in the future to have with yourself, Tom, and Joel Davis. Okay. What do you think, Gio? Ooh, oh, my God. That'd be... I don't know who he is. I don't know. Okay. okay. I don't know. So, I Joel Davis... Comments. I'm sure I am. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so how would you what describe him, Gio? Well, he's a podcaster himself and an intellectual okay. but uh sure. i don't know that would be but he's from a lot more of a reactionary uh, position than a lot of people are and this is something like the reason why i keep bringing this up with him and the reason why i give him such a hard time is because i think like he's because a bright... you because he... you find his ideas particularly offensive lev well he no here's the thing he is a bright young man but the problem is that when it comes to supporting certain things, my biggest concern is that, like, I generally believe that people, even though they think that, oh, we're just a bunch of weirdos on the internet, and like we were talking about before, how much people are really paying attention. 
Maybe not much right now, but like certain things that have happened throughout history, everything kind of started with like a small group of people who had an idea. So the question there is that when you have people who would not mind as much if there was some kind of a uh, imperium, some kind of a dictator coming in and uh, ruling over, seeing that as being better than whatever is happening right now, it's very easy to talk about it. And yeah. the biggest problem happens, I think, like when people just freely and easily talk about it without out considering the alternatives and it creates just like this closed echo chamber, which is why I'm very grateful for the fact that Joel yeah. comes on BTR. But I think cool. it would be very interested if you're interested to have uh, the two of you guys. Yeah. I feel like you're just you're talking mad smack about him, Lev. I feel like. No, I'm being completely honest with I've I th- never said well, anything. I think there's a value in critique. I mean, there's a, there's a value because I think that um there's there's sort of like an uh, an impermeable wall between the average person or the average person of means and actual political change and so critique in a lot of ways is really the only thing that we have and so i mean apart from just like the general improving one's own life and one's own community of course obviously but i think that in terms of ideas i don't know uh it's because it's not just critique and that's it. It's critique and then there's proposition. I critique this and I propose this particular alternative. And that's the thing that kind of gets me here where I know, Gio, you know that I am honest when I speak about Joel. I don't hide what I believe. And like I said before, I think he's a very smart guy, which is particularly why I think it's very much worth his time and our time to be able to speak to him about this kind of stuff. I mean, Joel I don't know. You say his name is? Joel, uh, Davis? Joel Joel Davis here I'll I'll yeah, post yeah, I'll, it. I'll look him up yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah yeah I'll take a I'll, I'll look him up um and actually unfortunately guys uh, I do have to run uh, Natalie just stepped in the doorway and she was holding up a plate with a burger on it and she's wearing a swimsuit so I'm like all right that's good guys there you go so all right I gotta go yeah, but, yeah I have to go it's, too it's burger, so um but no hey uh, no, this is awesome uh look forward to I'll look this guy up and uh, next time he's on love to do it and also I think we're doing um Jack Murphy. Yeah. Well, nice. Yeah, good. Jack's a good dude. Really good Excellent. dude. I like him. I'm a looking lot. forward yeah. to that. Yeah, so here is Joel's Twitter, by the way. I posted in the BTR chat for you. So uh, check check that out. Let cool. me know what you think. And uh, there we go. So guys, Excellent. we are going to be ending the stream. But first, uh, as you go, Tom, I'm going to post your Twitter as well. Sure. And also as you go, uh, I am going to start talking about the later things that we're going to have on the show. So sure. everybody follow I look forward Tom. to the hate tweets. <laughs> no, I think everybody loves you, Tom. I think that uh, you are one of the most eloquent people who, and you actually pay attention to the fucking chat, which is very different from a lot of people. Usually, people just usually we discourage people from paying attention to the chat. It's enter- yeah, YouTube comments are usually the worst. Yeah, uh, no, it's entertaining to say the least. But so yeah, hi haters, it's fine. Okay, that's great. Yes. I kind of get a chuckle out of it. All right, but um, I gotta run. And uh, yeah, all right, guys, take it's good times, and uh, look forward. We'll talk soon, and uh, look forward to talking to Joel and also talking to Jack again soon. That'd be great. Absolutely. See you, my friend. All right. Take care. Take care. So here is what we have coming up on Break the Rules. We have, uh, oh, I'm going to be Monday, July 5 at 4 p.m. I am going to be on Janati Stolyarov's uh, salon show. So that is uh, oh, wow. that is coming up. The future recessions, that's going to be a lot of fun. Well, no, it's not. Let me tell you exactly what it's called because I do not want to mince words about that. And also, we have Tuesday, July 6th, I Hypocrite. I Hypocrite coming up. That's going to be a very big one. I'm very excited about that. Yes. 
So I then, I think that's going to be more laid back. We're going to talk. We're going to dunk on some people. Yes, and that's oh. going to be 8 p.m. Then we are going to have over here. Uh, I okay. We're going to have Uncle Doomer Thursday, July 8th. That's nice. going to be a lot of fun. And we are going to have the Fed. Okay. Well, I'm going to be on the Fed post actually, but that's going to be not a live stream. That's going to oh be a wow. Podcast. That's going to be coming up. You made it to the Fed post before me. Uh, Jesus. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Anyway. Oh, Je I love how you said that. What am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to do? I don't do? know. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next, we have Tuesday, July 13th, Jack Murphy, like we were talking about before. Then we should have it. I mean, I'm waiting for Ayala girl to give the final confirmation. I mean, she did not say no. She did not say no. So that's going to be Thursday, July 15th reverse debate on pornography with Brittany Venti and Ayala girl. Woo. That's oh going to be, God. that's going to be quite something. And then we're going to have uh, coming up uh, Travis Brown from the signal productions. That's going to be Tuesday, July 20. Then hopefully for Tuesday, July 22, we're going to have Jonathan Peugeot and Uber Boyo talking about Nietzsche. Although that may be moved to a later date. We got to see, we're going to have Tuesday, July 27th, e-girl e-girl event and i think oh. britney venti should be joining us for that one and guys you got to take the grill pill this summer i guarantee you are not going to regret that what that means is we are going to be grilling live we are going to be geo you better break out the grill my friend you better put the camera right where the grill is and have an outdoor grilling oh, yeah. extravaganza and uh it'll it's going to turn into a mukbang later on as well then we are going to oh, have thursday God. Thursday, July 29th, we are going to have Kenny uh, Kenny Zhu coming in. Have you heard of Kenny Zhu? So Kenny Who is Zhu, Kenny Zhu? He is the author of a book that's coming out right now. You can pre-order it. It's called An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence in the Fight for Meritocracy. Oh, uh, okay. So coming from a journalist on the front, uh, front lines of the Students for Fair Admin Admission, Versus Harvard case, could you remember that one with Harvard not, uh, you know, allowing the Asian uh, students to get in there? You remember that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Because of affirmative action. Uh, the false narrative, narrative of American mer uh, meritocracy and the attack on Asian American excellence with its far-reaching implications. From seedy test prep centers to gleaming gifted and talented magnet schools to top colleges and elite business, media, and political positions across America, even in the midst of a nationwide surge of bias and incidents against them, Asians from coast to coast have quietly assumed mastery of the nation's technical and intellectual machinery and become essential American workers, yet they've been forced to do so in the face of policy proposals written in the name of diversity excluding them from the upper ranks of the elite in an inconvenient minority journalist kenny zoo traces elite america's long-standing unease about a minority potentially upending them leftist agendas such as eliminating standardized testing doling out racial advantages to preferred minorities and lumping asians into privileged categories despite their deprived historical experiences have forced uh, uh force uh, have spurred asian americans to act so anyway that is coming up kenny zoo thursday july 29th then we are going to have who are we going to have okay here we go we are going to have wilford riley coming in thursday august 5 we are hopefully going to have chad hay coming in august 10th and we're nice. going to have we're going to have turkey tom gobble 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 we got uh -huh. turkey tom coming in thursday august 12th oh yeah we're going to have we're going to fucking go after 
I want to buy some. Certain ghouls on YouTube in that stream. I mean, I we're just gonna wanna... totally destroy them. I would just want to <laughs> buy some turkeys. Like, I just want to buy like some uh, turkey toys. You know, by the just, way, like, of turkeys, big so, like, fuck you to Idubs and all of his fans. Big fuck you to H3H3. Big fuck you to all of uh, the on that OnlyFans thought that he married. Total sham. And fuck you to all the people saying touch grass and uh, have sex in my mentions and all the pronouns that uh, discovered my tweet. So I had to go on lock. Uh, fuck you all. Never mind. I'm, I'm not going to fed post, but uh, sorry. Mm. It's it's getting late. It's getting uh, well. And then we're going to have Patriot J Tuesday, August 17th. And then we are going to have uh, Thursday, August 19th, Jason Giorgiani. We're going to talk about Agartha. We are going to we are going to go all out. So and of course, we are going to have Hotep Jesus coming in right after Giorgiani, Tuesday, August 24th. Amazing. That is going to be amazing. Uh, and amazing. Yes, amazing. OK, so everybody, this is it. This is the end of the stream. Thank you very much for watching. As always, subscribe. Keep subscribing. Send this to your friends. Send this to everybody. We are simultaneously streaming this on YouTube, on DLive, on Twitch, on Odyssey, on Facebook. Can you believe we're streaming on Facebook and nobody's joining Facebook, which is bullshit. I know some of you people have boomer parents and you still communicate with them on Facebook, which is why you have to become a part of our Facebook page. So it's, uh, you know, it's very simple. Facebook.com slash break the rules, you know, with the three in there instead of the E. I'm posting it right now. So all of you people, you don't have to tell me who you are. I'm just going to see, you know, regular people with a nice family in their photos uh, on, you know, joining it. And I'm going to know that, yeah, this is one of our people. This is one of the break, the great break the rules uh, watchers who I love. And even though I know that Gio and I may be like, you know, I'm like the strict parent and Gio's like the parent that gives out all the candy, uh, you know, the, all the hard candies, despite that. <laughs> hard know, like, candy. That was a great film before Elliot transitioned. I never uh, saw where, I never saw that where film. Elliot uh, chops a, a you know what cheese pizzaist uh oh, ma God. makes him uh, chop his his thing off uh Lorena Bobbitt style. No, it was a great film no, Hard Candy. Well, it, it was also um I mean I know you're not a big fan of Tim and Eric, but mm -hmm. they had this sketch called My New Pep Pep where they had this grandfather doll which delivered like hard candy. Oh, I think his, my friend Chris through, through told me about hand, this. Through his hand. Yeah. And is that like a thing? Like, do old people particularly like giving like very hard candies? Depends. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. Like, I don't I mean, remember exactly. Someone. Yeah. Like what the older people delivered during trick or treat in uh, Halloween, but whatever it was, you know, God bless them. You know, even if the candies were hard to chew, you know, at least they made the effort. Right. And at the end of the day, that's what that counts. I mean, I love, I, mm -hmm. yeah, I love my grandparents. You love yours. Why are we even talking about this? We have to end. Anyways, we, we got to go. I have to go actually. So. Yes. <laughs> this is the end of the stream. Everybody subscribe. Keep subscribing. Oh, good night, everybody. Oh, Bye -bye. God bless.